Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. And I'm JP. It's hot, JP. <laughs> Is that where we start? I'm fucking melting here, mate. You all right? <laughs> mate, I'm fucking suffering here. If, if people aren't aware, and people from all around the world, may well laugh at Britain going to pieces in the middle of what is the highest recorded ever temperatures. What was it, 41 today? Apparently. Something yeah. along those, those lines. It was, it was kind of hard than hell. It's not set up for it. Nothing in this country is set up for anything, any weather conditions. It goes to pieces, but my Christ, it's hot. I mean, it's just purely because, obviously, for the patrons on, on the Brit Rest's Dead tier, we have the, um, like, we've got the video up on here. I would be, honestly to God, like, this is ridiculous weather. It's, it's non-clothes weather. I mean, that in a purely <laughs> platonic sense. <laughs> I already had one outfit change. Like, I was, uh, you know, we're, we're starting this show relic- even late even for us. Uh, I was running a bit late on the mm. show because literally my HDMI cable... I don't know if this is a possible thing the weather can be responsible for, but my HDMI cable had pretty much melted into the uh, the back of my monitor. That might have something to do with the uh, 24-hour stream I did at the weekend, as it, uh, it did seem to malfunction in that last hour. But, yeah, it's fucking ridiculous in here. I've changed my T-shirt once. Got all my windows open. Got all my door. I lost. I lost the cat today as well. She disappeared. She just said, "Fuck it, it's too hot in this house." Like I left the I left the window open upstairs, and I got up, and she was just gone. Oh wow! Find her again for like the rest of the day. She she was hiding in the shade outside somewhere, but she turned up again. But Jesus, we are yeah, we're not built for it. It's absolutely. I get. I, I love the heat. I do. I love like a a summer holiday like the uh, the one you've just been on in your your back from yeah. And I love uh you know I loved uh, when I was in Vegas it being. This hot, but I think it's more like when you're prepared for it, when you can throw the air. You're on holiday. On, you, yeah, you're on holiday. You can go along the beach and go for a big walk, get yourself a big drink. Not when you're like trapped in the house having to be chained to a laptop doing like no. you know, office work and stuff or or podcasting or the like, you know. But it's a uh, it's a little bit of a different uh, different kettle of fish. Very different kettle of fish. I mean, effectively, I'm having two weeks of proper Turkish heat here because <laughs> it would get up to 42 in a day. Except I was sat on my ass by a pool. Watching all manner of kickoff about sun loungers, desserts that are just Jesus, Emperor's new clothes, mate. There's nothing behind them, just <laughs> pure color and like fucking bizarro world bake off, mm. um, with nothing going on. But when you're sat in your ass doing that stuff, having en- endless booze that will never get you pissed, mm. like you- you're kind of prepared for this. But like you say, this kind of weather, like when you're back indoors and you're having to do like real world stuff, you're like, mm. fucking hell, this is this is hell on earth. I enjoyed your uh, your photos from your holiday, mate. I enjoyed your, uh, your picture oh. with, uh, with Dave Bob Tista, the holiday rap. I enjoyed your, uh, your <laughs> little, uh, green and purple Turkish cakes that taste of nothing, which I was totally with you on. I completely uh, remember that. <laughs> your half strength beers and stuff. It's all part of the experience, you know, fighting with foreigners. It is. Fighting with, like, uh, you know, foreigners and Britons alike over yeah. uh, over towels on uh, on sunbeds. Uh, what were you saying? It was midnight they were, uh, they were trying to Midnight, uh, mate. Down. <laughs> Midnight, mate. Even the, even the mid- Germans back in the day when they used to go on family holiday, you know, the Germans have got a bad rep for getting up early and throwing uh, towels and swimmers. Even mate. they're not getting up before five in the morning, mate. It, if you went on like Hotel hotel Ideal Pearl, if you have a look on there, the amount of people who talk about like the sun lounger hell, mm. like where it would just be casually people getting up at 4 or 5 a.m. And the staff aren't paid enough to really give a shit about this as much as anything else. But like it will kick off eventually. There are enough people around there. You know, there, there comes a theoretical point where you could get drunk. And a lot of people reach that quite early doors. Like your bars opened at open at 10. So the 
potential chance of kickoff was always there. If anyone overslept, like just levels of anger. Um, yeah. Watching grown adults sort of push each other in a pool all day. It was like being inside us. It was like, like being inside a sitcom. They just mm. moved the sitcom Benidorm and they just that's moved it to Marmaris instead. It's that's, cheaper than Marmaris. That's effectively so. was. If you're a people watcher as well, it's, it was just fucking manna from heaven. Uh, the hotel was nice though. It was overall, it was a, it was a good break. Yeah. It, overall, really nice. Met like some really nice people as well. Like I was saying before, Northern Ireland, Scotland, um, and the Northeast, very well represented. It was like primarily a British affair there. Um, with, like yeah, a- not not many Southerners, mate. Oh. The, oh, the were, story chat you were, magazine. You, you, were, you oh. were the southern mate. Yeah, it looked like it looked posh. You know, you had like your little, little um, little, your yeah. nice little spa day and stuff. But yeah, the uh, a spa the day fo- on the first day. Yeah, the folks that raised their ones. I wasn't put it in the show but just last week. You know, you with your you know your feet up. Um, I don't know. No, Reflexology. Like, yeah, I, look, I mean, little um, seventy little quid per person. It's well good. I'd shit beating out of me. Mm. I felt I not quite violated, but certainly I'd been abused. Like. <laughs> And I was like, there were lines that were being pushed there, I think, at one point. And she was small as well. So I climbed up on the table. And it was just like, it's like she was pressing MMA on my back at points. But I didn't regret it. It Not was it was, it was, was good for her as well. She did it all with a smile on her face. Oh, Bits okay. where they, and they take your phone as well. And they take photos. It's like there's me and my girlfriend there. And we're just covered in loads of suds. And stuff like with that. A, like with a copy Turkish of Chat bag. Magazine open, which was the uh, yeah. I don't know. Did horrible. you learn anything? Any good stories? Don asks in the uh, in the old Chat Magazine. Oh, horrible stories. Awful stories. All of them, like all done with the person with a smile on the face on the front. <laughs> uh, a, a summary of the Jinx was something I didn't expect to read in there, but he was there. Is Chat um, at work or a shoot? Sorry, I've got, uh, Matty was teaching me last week I, uh, when you were in here. I, uh, and thanks to Matty and uh, and Gareth for see and when he was saying worked. I was thought like National Enquirer Sunday Sport basically was mm. a work. Is a work. You know, find the bastard who shut down my chimney and stuff like that. <laughs> That's like pure work. I want to believe it's fucking, it's a shoot. So, but like, I think for this one, there was like two people who had colitis and they, um, like, they fell in love. Not much of a story, but when you sat there with your feet in a bowl full of petals, you really got limited for choices of things you can actually do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it was, it, it was like one of these things where, like I'm just looking at Don's comment that just just completely not quite violated abuse could yeah it could be a show title yeah 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 yeah, it's just like oh my god um (laughs) but yeah it it was it was like kind of glorious it was like a really nice way to start off and yeah it was just really relaxing I just came back felt relaxed and then walked into this fucking absolute tsunami of heat mate it was hot Mm. on like the getting off at Birmingham airport at 4am on that Sunday I was thinking you As were well. going to get back in the country with the uh, the current state of things, so you did well to um to get home. No, we were starting to think we might need just... a re- replacement for our well, uh, our twenty three of the live stream. <laughs> well, just saying, like in you know, in the time I was away, like relaxing and being slightly grumpy about having only four hours sleep, you managed to do the heroic act of a twenty four hour podcast stream with with Martin Bushby, <laughs> who is an absolute legend. In this game, like pair of you, I was so proud of you two Thank as you. well. But like, mate, I don't even know how you're even thinking of talking at this point in time. 
Honestly, after after that and like the last couple of hot days, I mean, I, we did uh, we did sneak a Patreon show out on Monday, but uh, you know, clean <laughs> yeah, now that was pre-recorded uh, a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Now we we tried to get organised for the month, knowing you were away, knowing I had yeah. that up and stuff. It was a good plan, mate. I'm I'm all in on this. Well. It saves you a lot of grief, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, try and do that more often. But no, I've literally like I'm happy to podcast today. I'm happy to get on with the live patrons and stuff. But I've been wiped out. Like it was hard going. Not as not as wiped out as Martin will be. Like we did the 24 hours and then we finished 12 on sunday afternoon and then first thing monday morning martin's working in this heat working in a hospital like fuck me like if you don't i don't deserve any sympathy like martin deserves it all he's the uh he's the real mvp but yeah it was fucking <laughs> i don't really know how to describe it a blur is probably the best way of putting it like it like, <laughs> You know, I feel like you know twenty four hours worth of uh, of podcast, and I feel lazy tonight if we go less than three. Uh, it did feel like uh, I don't know, felt like a challenge. Uh, I kind of I had to do it. Piece of piss, this mate, isn't it? Honestly, like I, it was it was one of them. We tried to be tactical. Like I start, like I literally, I woke up at like maybe nine or ten the day of. I was like, no, go back to sleep. Literally, I, I literally roll out of bed at quarter to twelve, thinking I'll just I'll literally log on and we'll start. And I'll get myself sorted through the day, and you had to be like tactical with uh, with meals and stuff, and and kind of like you know getting the uh, getting the odd bit of like there was maybe a two minute sleep maybe I got at one point during it, which wasn't even on purpose. I just kind of uh, almost crashed out, which would have been a, a whole disaster. But it was the honestly, it was the guest that carried us through. Like it was like, mm. and also just trying not to think about it. Like the first few people we had on, you know, the Ogdens were great, Chris Elliott was great, we had great chats with everyone, you know, Karen came on um, you know, Andrew Rich kind of kept our spirits going with a great uh, episode, a music of the map which was purely like dedicated to, to my love as we did their, uh, all of the uh, the best ROH themes or at least the best or the biggest ROH themes and uh, in my opinion and I was just trying to like, trying to take it a piece at a time you know, trying not to look at the fact that there was another <laughs> pretty much day to go and just kind of going okay if i can get to the end of this six hour block then you know we've got nate milton coming and if i can get yeah. to like eight o'clock we've got like the uh the big transfer window coming and then it was like oh if i can get to like midnight you know i've got, got a chance to like it's weird like a lot of it feels like it didn't happen like it was all these like mini podcast episodes with like i don't even know how many podcasts it would be like 24 at least like 30 maybe 30 because some of them are half an hour longer basically the 30 podcast in that time like complete it feels like a, the one i do i was like one of brandon thurston's like one of my like i don't know if heroes is too strong ways in like wrestling media but someone who had you know mm. or wanted to like sit down and have a chat with and i think we did that i think we had a good chat um Luckily, you know, Brandon's a man who, uh, who likes to talk. So, uh, you know, he, they, they were the best guests, the one where we could just be like, okay, just like... like He's got a great voice as well, hasn't oh, he? But, but a bit too good, a bit too soothing, because I can feel myself going, oh, this is so, like, so engaging. I, like, I always feel like I'm learning something when I'm listening to Brandon, but he's also got those soothing tones. He's getting that like, ASMR game. <laughs> yeah. There's money there, he's leaving on the table, which is ironic for the man who runs could WrestleNomics, it, but there we are. Could have easily, easily knocked me out, but, like... From that point on, it was just like 
it was just a survival game, really. And you know, we had uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of moments where, like I say, Will and Rich fam, you know, pretty much for the hour they were on, they took they. I was around just in case uh, Will got us into any trouble with any of the uh, the things he said. But I managed to have like a sneaky takeaway, you know, during that. You know, and then it was just a case, you know, we had a lot of like through the early hours, it was like bang, 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 all the different guests who were again, like kind of kept us going, managed to have a few great chats about it. It turned into like a, an excuse just to talk about the Wu-Tang Clan for uh, for like at least six of the uh, the 24 hours between. I saw a bit of you and John Cena and I thought there's yeah. no way that's being anything else but the Wu-Tang hour. <laughs> I've known that I I've, I was I was on his website Woo Lyrics in like 2002. You know, technically in this uh, little uh, post slash grapple universe we've got, he's the one I've he's the best I've known the longest. But yeah, him, him Bruce Lord, uh, Liam as well. I'll, I'll have to. Him. Yeah, oh, heard Bruce. Like, Bruce was great. Oh, he, and he had that cracking game. He was brilliant. He took and the shout out to his one. coverage of um, the G One on post as well. Mm. Oh yeah, he's the really man. He's great. the man. And like yeah, he had him like and a, Mark doing it again. He had like a fun like quiz game for us that just kind of yeah that really helped um, with with keeping us going which really like helped there and yeah like I say once again it was just it was mad though because we had like all like the Americans on and another one like me and Chris Ely had a a really great chat about like the Vince McMahon stuff and about mm. just wrestling in general like that's someone I've never spoken to other than the fact that he was uh, gracious enough to uh, to help me and Seth get sorted out with the uh, with tickets for time yeah in LA. LA yeah so I got got to thank him for that and you know talk to him properly but yeah it's just kind of it was just it was wild because it was like it was all in sections and Martin laid the whole thing out it's all it's all on Martin as far as like the guests and, uh, and everything go but like we had all of the West Coast Americans through to like 6-7 in the morning it was like we knew it was about to we knew we were in the finishing stretch when it got to like 8 in the morning <laughs> and like the chat started laughing yeah. up again and the Brits had gotten out of bed again and we spoke to you know Neil Euro Express Shane Silver uh, Liam and obviously um, you mate uh, that kind of I think that got our spirits going no, and that like okay it's it's morning time in the uk now there's only a few hours left <laughs> and yeah i think you know we managed to keep it together i think maybe it was just the mental idea of you know last time we did the, the 12 hours and you know towards the end of the 12 hours we were definitely struggling but knowing we had to go the full 24 and <clears throat> 12 was only the halfway point i think we just uh we got it out and yeah we uh we somehow uh managed to uh to survive it and yeah keep us uh keep it going and yeah like Simon said in the chat much like Wu-Tang the podcast was, was for the children and managed to raise yeah. a, a, fair, a fair amount for the uh, the children's heart surgery fund I think it's over £1,600 um, at this oh. point that is still open if you search uh, just giving him uh, put Martin's name in I'll probably put a, a link in the uh, in the bottom of this but loads of highlights it's like I'd love to go back and listen to a lot of it but I don't know if, you know I, don't, I know a lot of it's getting put up in chunks <laughs> on, the, uh, on the post feed but you know uh, I, I don't know well, how the transfer uh, window is now up on the BWE that's feed, up already which, that's up already I think it, that yeah. one's relatively loose because it's 8 o'clock and Alan and Gareth and Matty and that all, all came on Jamesy all came on and Jamesy took over the reins I think that, that was a that was a big deal that right. was I, I described as one of the main events of the first day that, that really yeah. kept us going yeah, it did. It really felt like and like a kind of if you're breaking it up into eight hour blocks, aren't you? Like like that was that was definitely like the kind of main event of that first eight hours. It just looked it looked incredible. Um so I look forward to listening to it. it again, it's hearing Matty like with with Jamesy and Alan and and Gareth in there. It's just like and knowing what Gareth is like about like his picks and stuff like that. 
and he'll have done he'll have done that prep on there as well. I'm just really looking forward to it. I've had it relatively unsport, apart from some mad Pat McAfee thing that, that I was going to say. Yeah. Are you aware of the Pat Matt? I'll, I'll, this is the one spoiler I'll give. Matty picks Pat McAfee extremely early. I'll just say that extremely like earlier than like some very very big names. Earlier than he tries and fails to draft Kenny Omega. Like that's how early Pat McAfee comes up in it. Matty's got a method to his madness though. You know it's a when you see yeah. the uh, the finished rosters and the finished cards. I think Martin's going to be a. Uh, putting out over the next couple of days you'll uh you'll you'll get it i think you'll you'll see the uh the, the method behind matty's uh madness and his uh i'm his so looking forward together, to it mate. i tried to put mine um together today i don't i'm not hugely confident in uh in winning this thing but you know i think i've got a, a good enough a solid i've got a top i've got a solid main event i'll say jp my uh my, my top okay two are, uh, I'm particularly, uh, particularly proud of the. It was that. It's that same again. Though it's really hard to do those transfer windows. You come with the game plan. You think who you want, and then before you know it, everyone's disappearing. Like half of your wrestlers are kind of half of the half of the matches you wanted are gone. Your game plan goes out the window. You start just collecting wrestlers you like with no real idea of what you're actually going to do them on your card. It just mm-hmm. every year I think next next time I'll uh, I'll plan this out better. But I don't know if I lose miserably, I'll uh, I'll blame the fact that I've been podcasting for eight hours at that point. So you know, and I and I didn't uh, I didn't draft Pat McAfee. So you know, I'm still doing better than Matty. I'm I'm absolutely fascinated to know how how this goes in terms of the vote and everything else for who for who wins this. I I love this stuff, but like I, I mean, my only experience of that like of the draft stuff is doing the um uh the FPL one, and that went to hell in a fucking round one, mate. I'd, I'd already got my pieces on that, and I ended up with some absolute nonsense by the end of it. But it is it's great. I really look forward to listening to that. Um, and the other stuff we've got up on the, on up on the Patreon feed as well. So like, hopefully, when between all of the twenty four hour stream, when that ends up being released, and between the other Patreon stuff we've got there, mate, it's it's been fantastic, isn't it? Twenty four hour podcast, people, but it is it's it, 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 <laughs> in, incredible stuff. I, I still don't know how we did it, honestly. I just don't like it. Just if if it didn't feel complete like that once it was done, I literally just crashed out. Like I was gone. Like I think we were uh, we were post chat. I don't think I think Martin just hung up on us in the end. We were trying to like say our goodbyes at the end because he was just ready for bed. Um, and yeah, all I remember was just thought, yeah, just literally going straight to my bed and uh, crashing out for a few hours before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heading into town, but yeah, I'd spent two days in a moving van before it as well, so it wasn't the uh, wasn't the best prep. But we got through it. Maybe we'll do a uh, a grapple twenty uh, four hour stream at some point, JP. If you pace yourself, you know, it's anything's possible. Uh, but I am. I'm glad it's over, and we're very fucking stupid for doing it in the first place. It it it's absolutely incredible stuff. And again, and just massive shout out to to you and Martin for all the work. Look forward to listening to it all. Uh, definitely check it out on the uh, on the BW feed. But yeah, as you said, obviously uh, over on the on this side, on the uh, on the grapple side, we've got a uh, plenty up. Um, like I say, made it mm-hmm. made it, made myself look like the marathon man uploading that uh, that observer <laughs> slash uh, what do we call it? Scott, uh, what was it? Torch Torch there. there we go, torch that. And um, where we looked at the uh, the Vince McMahon uh, uh, trial of nineteen ninety four that is finally uh, mm. up on the uh, the Patreon feed. This week, obviously, the big one uh, that I put up uh, last week while you were away, JP, was the uh, the big uh, AW uh, half year and uh, a review podcast made up to it uh, to see all the uh, feedback from some people. Don't take it lightly that you know it's 
made up to hear it, you know, not not trying to be yeah. full of ourselves, but hearing people say things like it saying it was literally the, the best podcast we've ever done. Um mm. there are to how to feel about that as a as a sentence, but like if that means anything to you out there, obviously, you know, hopefully that it might encourage uh, some other people to uh to check it out as well who uh, who haven't already. It is on the uh, the Patreon feed and is available mm-hmm. to, to all uh, all tiers on the uh, on the Patreon feed. But very proud of that how that one turned turned out mate and um, oh, yeah. we uh, we got that one up yeah absolutely i mean loved doing both of those shows it's very odd because the observe this was the first one we've recorded off there in there but we'd also had the um heart foundation versus uh well basically the heart foundation as a stable they're running 1997 that we did with a uh, king of the uh king of the mountain simon mulvaney as well and that was that was brilliant i want to give a shout out to that because uh, that we did with uh with him and with with matty um and that was brilliant stuff. So, yeah, get yourself across to uh, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Check, uh, check all of that out. And, yeah, if you do uh, get a chance to listen to our AW half year review, if you strongly disagree with anything, you know, some controversial uh, takes yeah. in there or agree with it, you know, let us know. And, uh, like I say, it's an evergreen piece, that one. So, hopefully, it'll be uh, one that. Uh, discourse is good. Remember that. Discourse, discourse is always discourse. good. No, discourse, I said yeah. discourse. I yeah. discourse. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Apparently Loki's firing shots at AW. Fill us in the chat car. What's uh, what's going on with that? Looking forward to, uh, looking forward to hearing it. Loki's gonna Loki, isn't he? <laughs> God, God bless him, old badass Brandon. Yeah, that's the real uh, that's the real Brandon. Um, but yeah, we've uh, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we've got a lot of uh, with the plugs uh, out the way. The twenty four hour stream mm. uh, in the in the in the rear view. Obviously, yeah, you were off last week, JP. So it was uh, mm. me, Matty, and Gareth, and yeah, we didn't have a weekend show on Friday, so plenty to mate. catch up on, mate. All kinds of uh, as far as far as the wrestling goes. Obviously, we're gonna have reviews of uh, some G one later, uh, AEW, and Noah as well, um, which had some actually slightly uh, promising results but all kinds mm-hmm. of like weird little um news um updates happening thanks to dylan by the way yeah. uh, give us the compliments on the uh on the news updates i was doing my best trying to fit awesome. in with you doing the uh, do my best uh jp doing the uh the daily updates last week as well jp on the uh on the road on the uh, on the side oh, grant was in <laughs> mate uh, watford gap services mm-hmm. which we'd passed by as well and i thought well, i was like oh, bloody hell yeah um <laughs> But yeah, it was tremendous. Can I just give a big shout out for like Axiom having should have a tag team partner called called Smashium. Like <laughs> like that was I I was just like hat tip Steph Chase. That was awesome. That, that was a cracking gag. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, it was great. <laughs> the patient she had, yeah, be, be able to sit there at her services for ten minutes while I uh, knocked out a daily update. Was, uh, appreciated. I think people there, uh, yeah, enjoyed her as uh, my co-host on it. On those, got a little uh, dynamite uh, review in there as well. But yeah, mm. we tried to pick up as much of the news as we uh, we could last week, but it just keeps coming, mate. I don't even know where where to start. Uh, I, actually, I say I don't know. I do know. It's Jeff's world, mate. I think that's where we start. <laughs> wow. Jeff Jarrett take over for a wrestling. I feel like there's, uh, <laughs> there's no new story better built for us. You know, I feel like, as we found out on Observe This slash uh, Torch Death, I feel like, you know, Control F Jeff, which is the uh, the game we play there, where we search any edition of the Observer for any mention of uh, of Jeff Jarrett to find out where he is. Sometimes we find him, you know, in WCW, sometimes in WWF, sometimes he might just be randomly in Spain. You don't know uh, you don't know where Jeff is no. going to be, but at some point in the future, mate, we're going to do a Control F Jeff on this weekend, and it's going to be <laughs> where he belongs in the middle of every fucking story going mate, on. Mate. Like, what is going on this weekend? 
I, it, it's incredible. I mean, it, there was a lot of speculation. I, mean, I, I assume we're primarily talking about the fact that he is announced in the... I don't know if it's a, a position that anyone really wants to be in, to mm. be honest with you, but the uh, of being in what is Ric Flair's last match, I say, <laughs> in inverted quotes, because I'm suspicious this will be his last match. How many people with Rick? Do you think Ric mm. Flair rang but who said no before Jeff Jarrett went go on then? <laughs> I think there's a lot. Like I, I did see some things where he was, he was going to get someone from WWE. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of speculation to be AJ because AJ could work safely, like with him. I mean, it's it's a terrifying prospect. But no, instead they've got Jeffrey Jarrett, head of uh, WWE live events, um, which is absolutely I- incredible. Um, like, I, I, <laughs> did you see? The and video? He's, he's there teaming Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. I've seen the first sort of. I've seen a lot of Jay Lethal on this video. I've seen no Jeff at this part. The the, the announcer is like they were like, oh, it's six oh five. Stay tuned, and like six oh five came. Nothing was on Flair's Twitter. Nothing was on Conrad's Twitter. And I think I ended up going on like the Starcast Twitter to try and find what the fuck was going on. And like, yeah, if you go on the Flair web, it was very well poorly done because there's like four videos on the page you had to work out like which one was the one that they were telling you to go and watch for the announcement of who who flair's match was and it's like our um what's it called ufc embedded uh embedded where it's like, yeah um, embedded yeah it's like um flair you know talking about his training and to be fair there was a lot of footage in there with uh he kind of starts off with like jay lethal being all like made up that he's uh, been asked to help train Flair and they're doing like <laughs> Flair's taking bumps like in, in this ring like oh mm-hmm. you know he's clearly wants to make sure like everyone knows that he can still take a bump however the like the thing about the video is like everyone they talk to from like Magnum TA to like David Crockett to like every talking head is like don't know if it's a good idea you know I'm not sure Rick should really be wrestling again I mean you can't really stop him but it's pretty bad he's wrestling like everyone to a man is like this is a fucking awful idea you know you got Flair talking about how he's gonna you know turn his pacemaker off and stop taking his meds the the day of the show just so that like he can get through the match and like Jay's on there, like you know, it's all like heartfelt, and he's all like, "Oh, you know, like I, you know, I'm really made up that the Ricks asked me and stuff, and it's such an honor." And then like it just it goes from like being this shoot, you can say UFC embedded type of show to like they just they, flares like walking through this car park, and then they shoot a full wrestling angle where like Jarrett and Jay Lethal jump him and beat the <laughs> shit out of him in this car park, like bloody him up, full on blade job from Flair. And it's got to be said, no. Jarrett hits some very very sweet looking Jeff Jarrett esque uh, punches. You know he's still got it, like beating the shit out of Flair on the floor, and like all of a sudden, yeah, apparently. Uh, Jay Lethal and, uh, and Jeff Jarrett are, uh, are the heels in there in this thing and yeah Flair needs a partner and he's uh, he's calling his uh, he's calling his son Andrade and against all odds mate that's the match Ric Flair and Andrade versus Jay Lethal and somehow sent to the universe gets himself a gig every no matter what Jeffrey Jarrett like unbelievable incredible Incredible they've done that. And now I need to see the rest of that. I need to see that car park sequence in there. That sounds absolutely, like, amazing. (laughs) It is genuinely astonishing how he manages to do this and finagle himself into all of these positions. I mean, everything I've seen of Ric Flair in it, when I was looking at that trainer bloke and he was talking about, well, you know, he's as good a cardio as, as anyone there. I'm um, just like bull and shit. Like seriously, he's got a fucking pacemaker. Um, 
in many ways, like I agree with Colette, it should have been Charlotte. She would have been up for it, wouldn't it? But it is mad, as Eddie says there in the chat, you come round to it, you've got a WWE executive working with someone who is an AEW slash going to be in Ring of Honor um, star against an AEW talent and Ric Flair. And Ric Flair is not in good health, really, we should say for this, like in this match. It shouldn't be happening. Like that kind of goes without saying. Like, and this isn't like that guy who was in was it Mike Jackson who's been in Impact a few times. He doesn't really take bumps. He does a rope walk. It's very, very kind of safe for what it is. Like it's that type of stuff. You can have those kind of wrestlers. I like to think he hasn't got a pacemaker and he hasn't lived the life that Ric Flair has. And Ric Flair, lest we forget how long, well, you know, they show clips from it there of him in that hospital bed, like Jesus Christ, like this is, this is a guy who was like, we were fearing the worst not that long ago in a conceivable way. But yeah, here we are. I mean, with Jeff there, we're going to get into an, a, a TNA main event. So you're going to see guitar shots. You're going to see a lot of brawling around the ring, load of bullshit. Poss- I wonder if you'll have the odd run in. Like, you know, God knows oh, who'll turn be up. Nostalgia runners. I, I feel like, There'll though, so if, if I was saying this on the live stream, it's going to be Flair and Andrade, and they've managed to talk Tony Khan into doing this, because, like, rightfully, you know, Tony Khan has given this whole thing up. It seemed like was giving this whole thing a wide berth, because it was just like, mm-hmm. you know, one, there's all the obvious, like, you know, real... You know, it's not even negative publicity. It's the genuine case of sexual assault that Ric Flair was uh, very, very credibly uh, accused of in, yep. in in Dark Side of the Ring. That obviously we're all gonna forget about now because he's because he's Ric Flair, and like not just that, just the fact that like the chat saying, you know, what are the odds on uh, on Flair dying during the match? That's a very real possibility. I was saying it throughout the stream, like yeah. you could die at any minute. You know, with the training for the match, it's fucking like literally in the in the video package, like Jay Lethal before he turns heel and it becomes a whole like work. Like Jay Lethal's like, yeah, you know, he might die in the ring, but. That's kind of his right, isn't it? If that's the way he wants to go, it's the way he wants to go. And I don't even think that's a lie. I think that's genuinely what the people involved in this think and what Rick thinks. Like, you know, if he's going to die, he's going to die. And this is the way he'd be uh, happy for it to happen. It, it plays into a lot of that kind of things, like basically from the wrestler. He, he's just reliving the wrestler now at this point, the, the film with Mickey Rourke. This is Randy the Ram going out there against the Sheik slash Ernest Miller doing that one last or well, that weird kind of head but head drop finisher thing he did off the top rope and the rest of it and thinking isn't that a cool way to go out and you're like well yeah unless you're probably conrad thompson who would have to deal with a whole manner of legal liability of how the hell did this ever come to pass that, that this was allowed to ha- uh, to happen but it's he's gonna do it isn't he because he's rick flair and this is what rick flair does i mean it, it, it's just we're in that kind of proper kind of carnival grotesque kind of freak show, aren't we? That, I mean, we're like, going to watch it. Kind of, Let's all be honest. We're going to watch it. That's it. <laughs> we are. Yeah. And I don't know what that says about us. Like, you know, because like we could moralize about it, but there is that kind of fascination of if this works, how the hell do they get away with it? Because it, it's, but it's like, uh, it, I don't feel, I mean, moralizing about this stuff and moralizing about it in terms of Ric Flair is just a waste of time as well. It's like, it, one, it's, it's, it's his... drawn though. Yeah. It's drawn like, is it 8,000? 
Are they looking out for this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, those... a, it's a good car. They moved Arena, well. didn't they? Mm, yeah, they've they've uh, they've upgraded it. Like it's you know it's been well presented. You know with it. I think mm-hmm. presenters like you know Jim Crockett Promotions presents Ric Flair's last match is a good idea. The talent. Yeah. Like, I mean, if if there was ever a show that was built for you, mate, like Harry Smith versus Killer Cross, Motor <laughs> City Machine Guns versus the Wolves, Render Rita versus Clark Connors, um, Jordan Grace versus Deonna Parato versus Rachel Ellering, Laredo Kid versus Taurus versus Ray Phoenix versus Bandido, the Briscoes versus the Useless Von Ericksons, Brian Pillman and Brock Anderson wow. versus Kerry and Ricky Morton, Josh Alexander versus your boy Jacob Fatu, like plus Jeff in the main event. I mean, you know, moralizing That's a card, side, mate. which you can go both either way on. Because on the one hand, it's like it's almost like the two things cancel them out. Like I don't really want to re- support a show that's got like a sex offender in the main event, but he also might die on the show, and that's not necessarily. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying, you know, they're two bad things that maybe you know somewhere meet in the middle. Maybe what I'm saying, um, oh. but like <laughs> the rest of it, it's got Bully Ray's doing a bunkhouse ba- bunkhouse battle royal apparently on the show. I don't know who else is uh is in that thing. I mean, if there was ever aside from problematic all issues sorts, in the mate. main event all sorts will be involved in that match Screams, you, mate. Scream's a JP show this it does doesn't it it has that kind of wackiness to it that I like and it's all the promotions that are working it mm. we're talking AW WWE in a limited capacity New Japan are putting on a match there's impact all over the place they were using a lot of the impact footage in terms of the promotion for this as well MLW are there they've got they've got their, their hands in this it's it's wild and it's drawn and the problem is here if it draws and it makes money as i listened to rick flair on this in the back of the boat with david crockett jr yeah. and having a beer and he's saying i'm not doing this for the money i've already got the money Where and from? i was like mm-hmm. <laughs> where's why is he rich yeah i'm curious what, what's comrade been slipping him <laughs> but yeah it, 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 you see this and you just think to yourself, like, oh, you know, if the, if this draws and it already has done, they're going to do it again, isn't it? And it just becomes like the Ric Flair's last tour what and is, stuff like that. It just never ends. One of the opening talking heads on the video is one of Ric Flair's ex-wives, and she's like, is it his last match, though? Is it really? And she's so like, she's not doing a bit. She's not playing no. along. She's just like, this fucking bullshit making you really... And it's it, in his own video. Like, it's right there. Because even she doesn't fucking buy it because she's been through it before. Like, you're right. There's every chance, you know. Him and Jeff will do a singles. That'll be the, uh, that'll be the follow-up, but... Yeah, it's fucking just like Eddie says. Yeah, yeah. There's a moment where Jeff shouting at David Crockett Jr. He never liked his dad anyway. Well, he's bullied. I saw a video before <laughs> Jeff and Conrad are making it a work on the on his uh, Conrad podcast as well, where like Conrad said something about he's going to invite Jerry and give him a seat, and Jeff's all frosty about it. Like I can buy him a seat. I can buy him a ticket for one type of thing, and it's all. It is. It's like is it a <laughs> is this is this just Captain Tom again? Like Carl points out. Is it Captain? Oh my God! Yeah, Captain. Exploit- Pensioner, isn't it? It's got a Captain Rick. Captain Rick, mate. <laughs> the wheeling him out, making him do circles of that garden. Also, Conrad can add, add to his millions, like you say, to as Liam says, flog some mortgages, some mattresses, and some and some dick pills. It's <laughs> that's mate, all it's about. Conrad Conrad ends up with a, an account in the Cayman Islands. Mm. Like you know, it, it's all manner of like it really is. It's Captain Rick. It's you're just looking at this. And for those of you not familiar with the Captain Tom story, look into it. That's how it comes across. It's absolutely carny as fuck. 
Yeah, a bunch of carnies all fucking leeching off each other. You know, it's just, it's a wild, wild situation. And, but am mm. I going to be able to look away SummerSlam weekend? Am I, am I going to watch this? I mean, of course I am. Of course I yeah. am. Like, it's one, the car's really good. And two, it's like, it's a car crash. You can't look away, like I say. It and, is. You know, Flair is uh, Flair's gonna flare and Conrad's gonna carny. Um, as we're saying, yep. and, and Jeff Jarrett always wins. That's the lesson we learned, JP. Because like, not only is he doing this right. on this week, not only as he talked his way into this match, and again, no way was he first choice. Like, I'm sure he was like, you know, they probably tried Randy Orton, he's injured. You know, they probably wanted to get Sting involved. He probably told him to fuck off. Arn Anderson probably told him to fuck off. Like, I'm sure there are more. You know, Triple H was never doing it, but you know, there's probably more suited to Ric Flair opponents in this than Jeff Jarrett. Like, you know, I know they got that four horsemen tie in from the WCW years, but Jarrett wasn't really a horseman. You know, <laughs> never really felt like they were uh, they were on the same page uh, during that. But yeah, Steamboat had said no as well. But like, yeah, Jeff always wins because not only on this weekend, SummerSlam weekend, it's the Jeff Jarrett weekend because he's literally in the main event of Ric Flair's retirement show against Ric Flair. He's also on SummerSlam on Sunday, inexplicably, the guest referee in fucking is it Street Profits versus Usos? Like, I don't know, I know, I know it's in Nashville, but like, what he has no relationship with any of those wrestlers. Does he? he? How? If, if he fills his Friday night by squashing Effie and throwing his dick in his face or something like that, then it's the uh, it'll be the Jeff Jarrett trifecta over the weekend. Mate, we can get revenge for uh, for Twitter.com. He just he just, as soon honestly as soon as you think he's gone, he'll always come back. Fucking Candyman at this point, isn't he? He really is. You say you say um, double, you know. J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T five times in the mirror. Good luck if you manage to achieve that. And he'll come in and take over your wrestling company. That's what happens. And Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Jeff always wins. Control oh. F, Jeff. Control Jeff. El Hio El Hio del, uh, del, uh, del Arn Anderson is on the card. He is, yeah. On there as well. Superstar. Is it second generation superstar? I thought. <laughs> But I think somehow managed to yeah pull together you know disparate you know there are despite the, yeah. the news reports there are eight that there is AW uh, talent on there not just Andrade Brian Pillman Jr is on there as well MLW talent Impact talent U Japan Young Boys it is it's a who's <laughs> you know couldn't they wrestling plus Harry Smith so you know it's uh it's gonna be a fucking weekend but yeah Jeff uh, Jeff always wins it'll be I mean does it. Does it look better than SummerSlam to you? Always it does wins. to me. Like as a show, like it genuinely does. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it genuinely does. I, mean, I don't have the SummerSlam card to hands necessarily, but it it feels it feels like another WWE show, and it feels like anytime they're in a stadium, they have to have Brock or Cena somewhere around that main event. That's basically where we are, because that's the main draw in terms of uh, tickets for it. It's in I don't know how many tickets they've sold for this so far. I know they sold sixty thousand for the Clash of the Castle as well, which is in, what, September, and I don't think that looks any great shakes. But I don't know, a lot of these, a lot of their shows, they just feels like they've run through a lot of the potential matches, and you don't have Cody there, who is the one fresh element in all of this, who would have added, like, a lot, really, anywhere within the card. But instead, it's it's like, what, what it feels like they... would you rather like watch, they... Would you rather watch Ric Flair potentially die in a ring or Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar 47? Um, which is on that card. Yeah. Happy, happy Corbin. That might, uh, that might rival it. Bobby Lashley Theory. 
Uh, Jeff Refferin, the Uso Street Profits match. Uh, Riddle v. Rollins. Bianca Belair v. Becky Lynch. And Logan Paul versus The Miz. Oh, yeah, that's the other match on there. Babyface Logan Paul versus The Miz. <laughs> I don't know what's got more gimmicks on it, that or, uh, or uh, Ric Flair's retirement show. I'm, I'm sure he'll do well, Logan Paul. I fully expect him to. I wouldn't be surprised to see the brother running somehow. But he's got his own stuff. He's trying to create beef with Dana White and bloody dealing with Eddie Hearn and the rest of it. It's just those lads, how they've managed to get this far in the Biggest game. I don't know, but he won't be in the worst match of the night. True. Like, but he's, a lot of these cards, like they, I mean, it is very formulaic. It's WWE. It's what you expect. It's the people you kind of expect to see on here, you know, are in matches you expect to see. I mean, I just would sooner see a Lashley, you know, higher up the card rather than like US title against Theory who's obviously going to become world champion at some point before you know reasonably soon isn't he you know he's going to do something once they manage to get as soon as they work out to take the belt off Reigns basically to beat Cena and then cash in on Reigns the night after he's beat the Rock yeah, that was a good idea somewhere that could uh, that could uh, put some butts in seats but that WWE yeah. is the uh, did you not know JP WWE is a safe haven it's a uh, it's a safe place oh. for, uh, for people after uh, Titus O'Neil they had fucking had the goal to uh, wheel Titus O'Neil out on Raw last Mate. night fucking Christ I don't know if you saw that that was like that is as blatant he did, as he didn't look entirely happy about it maybe I'm reading too much into it I watched Botchamania this week and like you know like uh, they had um in, in between the 800 segments they do about computer games these days that I don't get because I'm an old man, they had like a, a bit where it was like, remember that old stand-up for, uh, for WWE thing that Vince did and they were like rejigging it for modern day and like we were watching it going, ah, oh, fuck me, remember when they did that? They're fucking doing it now. Like there's going to be another campaign yeah. coming. Like led by, led, by, led by Titus, who by the way, getting a lot of like sympathy on Twitter. Oh, you know, he went out there, he... You know, he, he kind of asked... No, he, he's a man who's got agency who can say no to these things. He can say no to being mm-hmm. the, uh, the face of the company or the, the you know, the friendly face that can, you know, help, help Hulk Hogan get forgiven or help Vince McMahon get forgiven for multiple allegations of uh, of sexual assault. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's one thing to be a company man and another one to come out and, like, just blatantly, like, tell lies about how it's a, you know, it's a place free from politics and it's a safe place away from, like, you know, race, religion, and we're just here to put smiles... That whole way, <laughs> it's a put smiles on faces, bollocks, like... Fucking just embarrassing. Like the fact that, like, they, they know now mm. with uh, with all of the stuff with Vince kind of hitting the fan to an extent, you know, over the last couple of weeks, you know, then they're not wheeling Vince out, but they're still doing these dirty tactics. Yeah, it's it felt like Vince speaking through the medium of Titus O'Neil, <laughs> really. And because he's from Tampa and he's got such a, a you know, well earned reputation as this fundamentally good guy human being does loads has done loads and loads of kind of great work within within various communities and for various charities but you you're putting him out there in order to to provide cover for yourself and that's why he's saying this and that's what it feels like we're going to get a lot of these isn't the wwe great look at the great things we have done and we provide in other words you can't get rid of you can't change anything about it because we're great i.e leave vince alone and and that's where we're at like with this and it's it's, it's cover so the the first thing you're waiting for is like all right so when's the next big wall street journal report when's the next follow-up story coming out so i assume it's very soon 
did you see that the guys who, who wrote that were on um, busted open and they were saying that that like there's more they were saying there's more to come but in in words like you know there's more but like we don't know you know that it they, they, we don't know anything like you know anymore like 7.5 million you know that figures out there or anything like that but you mm-hmm. never know you know these types of things happen more allegations do tend to uh to resurface um ndas uh, get challenged more in court and stuff mm-hmm. like that like the situations where people sign them are they're being coerced into signing ndas and you know various other things as well but yeah there's as soon as this stuff starts to happen like immediate you're thinking well, this is not happening in isolation it's happening for a reason and that reason is is that there's going to be some other like kind of news out there and the way that they're portraying it is is just like attacks on Vince or attacks on WWE like that's that's what they end up doing is you kind of it's that kind of siege mentality that that he kind of loves and you know and you you heard the reports of the ways that he behaved kind of like backstage when these stories came out. Oh, yeah. That's clearly how he's viewing. He's not going to change. How old is he now? Uh, I don't know what the number would be, but like old. Is he 72? <laughs> yeah, or am I just picking yeah. Up he's not. He's not changing. No. And like you say, he's, like you said before, you know, he's got agency over this, over this stuff. So like, you know, this falls, you know, well, it was entirely down on him. It's Trumpian techniques, mate. It is. No, he's acting like his best mate. Exactly that. He's doing Trump. Mm. He's doing, you know, no matter what the bat he's doing. But the same thing as Boris Johnson, you know, who lasted as long as he possibly could. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I know it's, it seems like a wild strategy, JP, but you know, when people say you need to leave, you need to leave, just say no. Like, I think that's kind of yeah. the, the logic. And like, I was speaking to Brandon on that uh, 24 hour uh, stream, Brandon Thurston, and like, he was kind of saying what, you know, the only logical way anything changes is if there's enough pressure for Fox or USA USA to get involved yeah. and to, you know, put the pressure on. And, you know, it was quite interesting listening to Brandon talking to him because I think the immediate reaction we all have is like, well, the stockholders will never accept it. You know, the, the stock would die if uh, if Vincent Mann, you know, left. And he was kind of, well, how much? I, I was kind of agreeing with him. How much would it die? How, much, how many points would it realistically go down? Is that better or worse than a, a slow bleed that might come if this thing, you know, mm. can, rumbles on for a long time? Or, you know, the, the dive that would come if they get a shitty TV deal, you know, a, sh- a shitty, you know, offer because Vince is still around. Or like Brandon was saying, you never know. USA or Fox might literally turn around to Nick Khan and go, we're not willing to negotiate with Vince McMahon. Mm. We're not willing to negotiate with that man in the picture. That's the only way anything changes, but it does feel like, and I was saying it to a lot of people over that twenty-four hour stream. You know, the the the, the kind of the, the Chris Ely wrote a great piece on it. The you know we talked when it broke. Literally, it was wrestling you did before you went away. You know, when these uh, yeah, when the uh, when the Donald disclosure agreements uh, amounts all came out and the seven point five million figure and the fact that it was fifteen mil, it was a big story for less than twenty four hours and it was gone. You know, there, there wasn't yeah. really an appetite to cover this in a, in any more detail. And like, you wonder, like you know, what kind of story could come out? Would it have to be something to be like an active performer or you know some other smoking gun for? really those partners to act because that's what it's going to take it's going to take usa or it's going to take fox to actually do something and vince is 76 hit, also, by the way he's 76 up, fucking hell, fucking hell. <laughs> exactly i mean and you know the and he's someone who isn't in you know you just look at the state of him 
at this point and you you know what his behavior is going to be and you know what his response is going to be i mean it's he created his own world didn't he that mm-hmm. him to live in because the real world didn't really like him very much when he tried other stuff outside of wrestling so wrestling was always the thing that he that he held on to and that, and that being his world but yeah i'm i'm kind of it's an interesting one about seeing it's at the point where Fox and USA view WWE as being toxic as being like an absolutely toxic company with a toxic culture and it doesn't change. But what you're relying on in order to get to that stage is you're relying on a lot of mainstream press because it has to become the kind of thing where parents see it and they don't want their kids to be associated with it because of all this really bad stuff. And I don't think those kind of parents like are, they exist in any meaningfully large numbers at this point in time, because there isn't that kind of coverage out there in order to kind of get rid. But it's like you say, I think the whole, it depends what the the next kind of stage of these and, and it also depends where it falls in the news cycle. Mm. Cause I also think as well, he's been kind of like lucky in the sense there's been massive stories, which are seen as having much kind of greater news value whether it be a Russia-Ukraine, whether it be kind of gas prices in the US or Roe versus Wade being overturned. Like it kind of, if it falls into the middle of those kind of like news elements, then it, that it, it'll get lost in the shuffle. And I don't think um, – it's not at a point where it's kind of hit where there's not really anything else out there and people look into it and they go, oh, hang on a minute, what exactly is going on at WWE? And then you have the big kind of long-form pieces and then you've got multiple journalists kind of looking at it. And then at that point, you look at a lot of the stories and and then stuff will come out. At the moment, we're really relying on three journalists from the Wall Street Journal having some sort of bombshell information that would massively change it. And I don't know what else there is because I'm I'm sceptical. I don't blame wrestling. Wrestling, you know, there is a good, the good section of wrestling media is happy to cover it. But then the client journalism side of it, which is much bigger within wrestling than, than we kind of have, a lot of the times they just don't want any part of it. Yeah. Because it affects, it would affect access. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why Ralph Satin's running from the story and, you know, there are others. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see as it, uh, as it develops. But I suppose uh, any other uh, sort of other news notes before we, uh, we get into uh, to some reviews? I mean, look at the, we could talk Michael Elgin's um, protein powder fetish. Kenny Omega's coming back. Well, MJ and Parker Board are a tag team. Where do you want to go next? A bit more is that protein powder to channel my inner <laughs> super hands, isn't it? Do you believe that? Um, fucking bollocks, isn't it? Like, no, it's WH was saying to us, like, the fact that, like, it's fat, you know. There's a potential prison term of five years, and he's having to leave Japan, you know. And like he's been, you know, MIA for the last week or so because he's clearly been sat in a cell somewhere. Like, and he's clear, you know, he's posting pictures of himself on his fucking in his first class seat, you know. Like, I'll oh, see the, the haters and the trolls are all wrong. It's like, I mean, there's a reason you're leaving Japan, mate. Like, it's <laughs> it could be the protein yeah. target. It could be something more. Was there? But was there anything more Michael Algen than that story? Fucking Colombia's like, fine. It's protein powder, mate, isn't it? It's a, it's a kind of protein powder that gets you marching if you understand the reference. Um, there, yeah, it it all feels completely suspect. This he's not the the, but you just think when the situation that he's in, where he's he's not in New Japan, he kind of felt like he was kind of persona non grata there. Mm. There isn't big companies in the US, so I think don't want to work with him. When was the last place he was at Impact? And he wasn't there for a particularly long period of time. Am I right in that in saying that? Yeah. So like I think there's there's stuff about him, and then he's in Noah, 
and he's put in a prominent position in Noah and would have had a big world title match. And instead, he's not there. Now, I'll talk a tiny bit about the match he wasn't involved in, but you didn't really miss him because they managed to find, like, I, I think they managed to fall on, on something in the meantime. But, yeah, him doing this stuff, it, it also, like, just so absolutely suspect, going completely to ground, and then the next thing is, I'm leaving the country, bye, fuck, fuck all the haters, and then off he goes. We'll either never hear from him again, or he'll show up in like, yeah, Impact again, or something like. I, I doubt he's ever going back to Japan. I think it's going to be a Matsudel situation yeah. where that never happens again. Yeah. Fucking just fucking boring. That that broke while we were doing that twenty-four hour stream, and it just made me laugh. But yeah, we'll be talking. Uh, we'll be talking some Noah later. I think even Noah will be fine mm. without, without Michael Elgin. Um, I suppose other yeah, big news story. Yeah, Kenny. Apparently, uh, Kenny Omega uh, is on his way mm. back. GP. Um, that's the. Uh, that's the talk. I'll, 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 you know, put this in. This was reported by Fightful Select. Uh, there was a, I wouldn't say reports. It was just Meltzer being Meltzer talking out loud. You see the quotes by, by him about Punk. He was like, "Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's going to be back soon. You know, if it's uh, it should be a uh, should be all out, but uh, you know, or it might be uh, it might well be a uh, full gear, but it'll be uh, one of the two. And it's like Dave, like all outs in four weeks, and full gear is like what November. Like that's a pretty big window for might come back soon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's news. I think it's just yeah, he's probably going to come back at at some point. But in the future, a, <laughs> that'd be a boost if uh, if uh, if Kenny uh, managed to uh, does manage to come out if the reports are true from Fightful Select saying there are tentative uh, plans for him to uh, retain at the uh, at the All Out pay per view and talk about him being in like a some kind of a uh, trios program uh, with the Young Bucks or uh, no firm uh, no mm. firm date has been said. Um, definitely uh, gave me some interest. I'd imagine. I imagine Kenny and uh, and Punk come back around the same time. That'd be a that'd be a hell of a program to uh, to go to. I'm sure no and Tony Khan it'll happen in like 2025. But you know, <laughs> we yeah. can dream. You know, that'd be uh, that'd be cool too with the other uh, top uh, top men in AEW going against you. They could, in all seriousness, they could do with it right now. I feel like a little bit of a uh, star power at the top of the card with the the Punk and Bride injuries and uh, and everything else going on would be uh, would be helpful. They need those interesting interactions between big single stars who don't often, like, or have never crossed paths. And you're looking at Kenny Omega, CM Punk, and you're thinking that stuff seems great. You could easily go back to Punk Moxley. I think the least interesting thing you could do is the thing that it seemed to be that they were wanting to go towards, which was him and the Young Bucks versus um, Adam Cole and Red Dragon which is the least interesting thing I could think of. It also makes me a bit wary if you're putting him into a trios program about how, what kind of physical condition he's in. Cause I know in the same report, they said stuff about he, he did, he was sort of returning back, but he did felt they didn't aid his recovery. This is someone who's never taken like this kind of level of break before. I think like the, like the, the by the time he lost the world title to uh, hangman page, he looked in a rough, state he looked like a guy needed a year off like solidly just a year off just completely rehabbing trying to get uh, however much you can out of him i just hope it's not a rushed return i know they're missing a lot of people and the temptation is to bring him back as soon as possible but i hope it's not rushed and that was my only fear about him being in a kind of trios program other than that trios program kind of takes him and the bucks out which are two of the more interesting elements that you kind of want to see them do more interesting things than a feud over undisputed elite, which I could give less of a shit about. Truth be told, seems realistic though. I know, but all those guys are injured as well at the same time. So, 
It, it ties though with like Kenny's use, you know, in AW the last while or what he almost is more comfortable doing or for whatever reason where they slot him. Mm-hmm. I think a, a blockbuster, you know, top guys program with him and Punk is probably not the route they go. They probably do go this like, you know, maybe, maybe you know, he gets involved. If Hangman and, and the Bucks are going to be, you know, teaming sometime soon, as uh, Carla said here. Yeah. He probably gets involved with that. Saying that, you know, they, you know, if things line up right, it could be could be going up against uh, Punk and FTR. In which case, you know, Punk and uh, and Omega would be uh, would be on opposite sides. But yeah, I wonder, like, because I mean, it's it's clear as day to anyone. You know, we talked about it in the uh, the AW half year in review, and we talked about it in the you know assassination of uh, Kenny Omega's title run last year. You know, he's not. It's fair to say, even the people who highly rate him. You know, I don't think most people do, but even, you know, those who rate him even higher than others, everyone knows he's not in the same physical condition he was, you know, even a couple of years ago. He is a man mm. who's, you know, quite clearly breaking down in front of us. Um, he is a man who, like you say, needed time off. It's going to be about eight months off, I think, if he uh, if he does yeah. come back at, a, at all out. And he, he looked every bit like he, uh, he needed it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much the... Uh, you know, if Big Match Kenny Omega even exists anymore, whether it is just a case of, you know, he can have, you know, like he did in his title run, nice little matches with, you know, with a, with a Christian and people of uh, of that level, rather than, you know, going out and having, you know, complete epics um, like he uh, like he did in uh, in New Japan years ago. Um, I think he's going to be more that type of wrestler. He's going to be more comfortable maybe being slotted in that. You know, maybe the six-man belts will literally be the, the Kenny in the books division. You know, I could uh, Oh, I hope that, that doesn't never comes about. Well. I can't think of anything less interesting than trio spelts. Yeah, like Gareth really... said that as well. Like, I'm, 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 I don't know. I can see value in them. I, I, I would have taken. Have a tournament. Out. Have oh, matches. Man. I'm fine with stuff like that. Have like kind of one-off novelty shows, even with that concept. But like, it just feels like because I was thinking about this when I was, uh, I was thinking about the Thunderstorm tag team in AEW, and I was thinking actually a women's tag division creates a lot of stories in and in of itself because then you've got a lot of kind of interactions between people who don't normally do it in that way, and I think that kind of makes things possibly a lot more interesting if you have a women's tag division, which I think you should have. Like, I, you know, it makes sense. If you're, ta- if, if you're having it on parity with kind of like the men, then you need a women's tag division much before you need any trio spells. But I, I just want to see Kenny Omega involved in interesting programs at the near the top of the card because there's so many people who just need to be involved in kind of pretty much straight one on one feuds for a bit. At the yeah. top end of that card, why can't we just have and two we're not having Sally, that. JP? Why can't we have yeah, just, like two people. If it was him and <laughs> I, don't want to see Punk have to like. I don't want to see it be become part of like some like the idea of a six man tag match like that with like FTR and, and Punk versus um, Bucks and, and Omega. In and of itself, is fine as like a main event on Dynamite that you build to, like say a couple of weeks out from the big kind of CM Punk Kenny Omega match. I'm fine with that kind of stuff. It's the idea, though, of not having, um, like, you know, the ultimately you want to have Punk versus Omega and not be this just sort of storyline that exists in a bubble while you kind of find other ways of, of kind of avoiding the big matches where okay. you need to kind of deliver on them because the, there's also money in the sequels which in, in this. Like, you don't have to have happen every single week, but... Like eventually you sign all these interesting people. Well, let's have these interesting people meet the other interesting people. So I even found myself wanting Malachi Black and Sting just going, oh, fuck it. I've not seen that before. Why not? Mm. Like shits and giggles. I just don't want it to be like just a kind of like multi-man tag match. 
as it's it like, seems to be. It's like, like Brian in it a lot of because like on our AEW mm. and review thing, Gareth made the good points about like <laughs> I, think it, I think it was him who was like. What an expensive way to get Wheeler user over is it? Uh, that was me. It was you. Sorry, mate. I'll give you your full credit. Yeah, <laughs> it's all like right. it's it's a great point because it's like it's all of this starts Brian and it's Moxley like, and then like instead of just Brian standing on his own two feet and like building to a massive singles match in a pay per view, Regal's doing his talking for him and he's involved in very good stuff. You know, I love the uh, the Anarchy in the Arena match, but as we said in that podcast, you know, like that's you spend a lot of money to get to that. You know, there's a lot of individuals who could you know just be on their own doing stuff and like you look at that with uh you know with brian you know he hasn't got many years left but you know it's pretty pretty obvious especially with this latest injury you just want to you know you can save things for a later day but you know with people like that it's almost like well let's do them let's just kind of do them while we can and i kind of feel like that about kenny you know let's get to the that you know uh, Mm. maybe you can wait longer for this but you know your hangman rematch let's get to something with punk let's get to as you know all the Osprey stuff that he's been building on Twitter. Let's get to that as a as a big singles match. You know, there are these there are these dream matches out there with these tippy top guys um in AW that like, yeah, you know, you can have a it's kind of cool to have a wrestling person who's willing to to wait and we understood you know during mm-hmm. the pandemic that was you know it was a clear, you know, plan that the the top you know, how many we always said that about Cody. How many match how many tippy top Cody matches as much as you know he'll bullshit you and say oh I did everything I wanted to do AW like he barely wrestled any of the top guys he didn't wrestle Kenny or Hangman or yeah. you know there's Brian there's yeah. Punk now there's all these list of guys you know all of those like tippy top singles matches like yeah you, you've got to do them at some point and if it's a Kenny or a Brian where you don't know if tomorrow is guaranteed I don't know maybe it's me being impatient but I'd want them to be uh, to get those out uh, get those out the way and getting them done um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose outside of that, you know, obviously, yeah, if Kenny comes back, that'll uh, give a nice uh, little bit of bit of juice to it to AEW right now. I mean, yeah, what have you thought of the? Uh, suppose you weren't here last mm. week to, uh, to talk uh, Dynamite, but uh, well, you know, me and Steph did a mini review um, on the road on uh, on Thursday of uh, Dynamite this uh, this last week. But yeah, we're in a, a bit of rebuilding period with uh, with Dynamite and, uh, and Rampage. I don't expect we'll uh, we'll spend uh, too long on it. But what did you think mm. of uh, Fighter Fest Week One nights one and I think that's how they're uh, they're promoting them uh, at the yeah. Minute. Too much of it, a dead like like Steph said, it's just such a just such a dead brand doing it across two different cities. It just feels kind of rather put. It's just it feels like a gimmick to put for a TV. So oh, it's Fighter Fest this week to give it kind of a level of importance that Shark Dynamite Whitney? perhaps doesn't have the, in uh... and of itself. Did you see the shot we got? Apparently, they're going to all this. Oh, they're like literally like for next week. Kingston and Jericho have been shrunk tiny on the bracket, so it could be like shot week, shot week, shot week. And then Melter was saying, yeah, they put out a, uh, you know, the shot week press press release on TBS have, and AW's not even mentioned any. <laughs> like it's like, oh, well. <laughs> oh well, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Like. <laughs> You know, when they've done this cross-promotion stuff before, like, say, with the Space Jam stuff, where they just put it into an entrance, and it actually worked out quite well. I was like, okay, that's quite clever. It's a good way of doing it. Even Cracker Barrel, if you think about to All In. But, yeah, Shark Week, uh, couldn't really give a, a, a shit necessarily. I think the match itself will probably have enough bells and whistles and be kind of spectacular enough for it to work. Um I always find myself in the position of Eddie Kingston is the most interesting character in AEW and whoever he comes into contact with suddenly becomes more interest in there. I don't know if you can see on the video, but there's a lovely breeze coming through it. Oh, and I'm massively in appreciation. <laughs> oh, it's 
awesome. You keep on coming, bad boy, don't you stop. <laughs> um, that's the wind, by the way, just in case anyone, any audio listeners are wondering what the fuck happened there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 as a show, I, I thought it was it was generally fine. I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of getting my notes up on it now. I mean, Wardlow versus Orange Cassidy, I thought was was better than I expected. And I thought, like, one of the things I said, it's like this. Uh, one of the things you had said about this incarnation of Orange Cassidy is actually the best incarnation of him, in the sense that it's a psych out mm. the whole routine, and he then actually wrestles the match. And he's he's very good, and he, I I always find myself kind of constantly underestimating him as a wrestler at times, and and he, he does have that in him. And then when he talks, he can talk normally, so it's not like just like he's an entire kind of like fictional character. It feels like much more of a psych out. I think it's also interesting that you've got Wardlow showing some signs of weakness effectively but this is a good thing if you keep that belt on him for a long time because you want to see that growth of him getting tougher as time goes on as well you can have the argument that he's giving too much to orange Cassidy in it but i think it, for the way AEW do things they you know they don't like doing squashes a lot of the times it, you know they don't want to have you know someone like orange Cassidy squashed because they they obviously see value in him. So I thought that was actually a lot of fun. And I didn't Konosuke, like it. I thought it was Takesh, a backwards, to be Do you not? No, 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 I disagree. Like, I think with um, the, the Orange Cassidy's been, <laughs> Orange Cassidy's been very good these last few weeks. Like, as far as, his, I mean, he's always very good. But, like, I think his presentation, especially, like I say, the Osprey match, uh, the Ethan Page match, has kind of been the optimum of Orange Cassidy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, this was too... You know, this was how, as we said before, you know, putting the tippy-top guys against each other is something AEW sometimes shy away from and putting people against each other who, in matches where actually you're like, oh, I actually don't know who's going over here. Doesn't happen enough as it's should for my liking. Mm. But this wasn't, wasn't one of those combinations I would have done. You know, I think Orange Cassidy was, was riding a bit about a wave of momentum the last few weeks. And it's fine for him to lose, don't get me wrong, but I, I kind of thought the way it was done in that he kind of had to, because of Wardlow's gimmick, you know, contrasted with his gimmick, he kind of had to be powder and heel a lot of the time in the match, you know, kind of had to, like, feign, you know, being scared of Wardlow and get thrown about a lot and be a little bit, you know, a little bit cowardly, I thought, and a little bit, yeah, I just didn't think it it really was the optimum way to uh, to present Orange Cassidy, which he has been presented in his uh, in his optimum these uh, these last few weeks. It won't kill him or anything. I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be no. fine. He'll be as over as ever. Come out for the next match, but it did yeah, felt like a little bit of a a step backwards for all the uh, the praise um, that uh, that I've given him uh, recently. Not the uh, again, not the ends of the world, but yeah, it just did just seemed a bit odd. Really, it just feels odd casting. Really, that uh, yeah, him and. Him and best friends were kind of uh, tasked with this kind of unwinnable role, really, where they kind of had to be, mm. say, you know, almost not quite heels, but do you know what I mean? Like cowardly and thrown yeah. around, and you know, the the character that wind is going, isn't it? That character combination did really work for me. Like the door closed, so it's fine. Like the wind isn't. Go- I'm not having that wind going anywhere. It needs to stay and stay for the fucking evening. Um, <laughs> what's it? Slated orange Cassidy, and I walked out. Ironically, well, he wasn't orange, but to get sort of Aldi's lilt equivalent. Um, oh, yeah, one of them. That second. kind of heat there. It, it's it's a difficult thing about like. In some ways, they need to go with Wardlow just onto effectively Goldberg booking. But Goldberg, who can work a bit more, yeah, because what, what I see, what I see of Wardlow in the ring is good and gets better. There's never points where I thought, "Way, 
he kind of shits the bed here. There's stuff that he's not perfect on, sure. Granted, I mean, he's a guy with a kind of limited experience there, but you look at him and go, no, he he looks and he feels like a star. It, the difficulty is long-term programs and things like that, because then he has to kind of show weakness and whatnot. And in some ways, I just think you just want to book him as almost having open challenges every couple of weeks and taking on people and beating them and working his way through like a kind of roster of undercard heels and, and, and things like that. Well, that's why putting heels. him in the in, undercard heels. And that's, that's where I see your point about Orange Cassidy there, where he, he he's, he's in there against a mid card face, like someone who, who the crowd is, is very, very attached to. There's also weird dynamics with best friends as well, where it feels like they're being kind of like, like very heelish. Who are they wrestling next week on, Rampage, aren't they wrestling a face? To, is it Wheelie Uter and John Moxley or something like that? Yeah, it is to like pay off that you know weirdness when Wheelie Uter was uh, was teaming with them in Best Friends. Mm. Yeah, Which so Rocky Romero's sick. gone now. So uh, so like Tony's all right, fine. Chuck Hobble here again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I was convinced he was uh, he was going the way of like uh, of Joey Janela and some but, of the others who, uh, who he's gotten rid of recently. Surprised he's still got a job, but go for him. I like Best Friends. Oh. Always a laugh. But I, I mean, my favourite match on the show for me was John Moxley versus Kanosuke Takeshita. Oh, was it? Oh, good was it? Fucking great, absolutely great. The bit of blood added to it as well. I noticed when I was on Wrestle Universe, looking at the um, watching the Noah show, that they actually had that match up on there with Japanese commentary as well. Oh, nice. um, and it's a and it, it's it, it's it's like you said with Takeshita. Now we've got Forbidden Door out of the window, and New Japan is in G one mode, so they're focused on a load of other things. It feels like now it's politically easier to have the guy from DDT and from the other rival company kind of coming in and having these matches. But my God, like he's making me think. You know, when he's over in the UK, I should be making an effort to go and see him if there's a possibility of this because, like he he feels like someone who. And he's gotten over through in the ring. He's gotten over wrestling, not a particularly like spectacular style, but my God, he can just work with anyone. And he clearly is really, you know, this is a guy who's nearly had 10 years, I think as a, as a wrestler as well. He was like sort of 16 wrestling at Budokan, that kind of stuff. But I, I loved, like, I really enjoyed this. I thought like all the big spots were really well spaced out. Moxley clearly is, you know, wrestling these kind of young guys is the kind of stuff where he just thinks, yeah, I love this. This is great. I can have some really good matches. And like I say, the blood added to it as well. But um, very the crowds of We had to have blood. Very Moxley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, but it, it, but do you know what? The crowds are liking Takeshita. Yeah. And like, he's only here for a year. I think there's things where you could build, you know, you could becoming, build some really interesting things with him, but he's becoming part of like the regular cast of characters who people like. He should be, like I say, he had that little, um, you know, that obviously you know it kind of came at like a really weird time where like why was he wrestling Hamman Page on a dynamite when we had so many other things to mm-hmm. accomplish? But they went out there and they had a killer, you know, fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and like I think that you know they couldn't really capture him and Eddie on Kingston, that. yeah, him and Eddie as well. Uh, but they had, they couldn't really capitalize on it, you know. Quickly, quickly enough for for my liking, but yeah, now we're at a point where yeah, you know, like say Forbidden Doors in the rear view, and he's reliable for 
a quarter hour where you can throw him out there against the relative, you know, an, an upper guy or somebody who can go. And yeah, I think people are catching on that. Okay, this is, I'm going to get 15 minutes of a very, very good wrestling match here, like guaranteed. And yeah, it, it does seem to have a, a bit of momentum. I love that, you know, slot in the, uh, in the car yeah. for him. It was uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant match. Like four star match, I'd, I'd go with. Uh, yep. Which, uh, you know, getting, getting one of them on TV, you'll, uh, you'll always take, won't you? Um, high end TV match. This one, this is as like kind of as good as a lot of TV wrestling. And I know the main event had a lot of kind of bells and whistles to it. It's just that we've seen that kind of stuff before. Mm. And like, we've seen a lot of these three ways, a lot involving the tag belts. It feels recently. And we've seen like kind of a lot of, like I, I you, mm. pr- you probably heard on the daily update. Like I've rewatched it since, but like we've been moving, uh, moving a van all day, and like I, for a rare time for me, I fell asleep <laughs> during the main event, which is no indication on the quality of the main event. It was just it was a long day, you know, driving, uh, driving, mm. driving up and down the M1 and uh, and piling boxes into a van. But like the actual, like I literally woke up and mm. it was like. Hang on, what happened? Because they were in the ring and there was like confetti coming down. It was like Keith Lee and Shane Strickland are the, are the champions. And I went back and and what and you know watched the match since. But it was one of those like, am I still dreaming kind of moments? Like uh, like Steph's uh, Josh Alexander heel turn. She mentioned that she was yeah. Last week. It's like he got rid of the headgear, but he's a natural. He's a natural face. I love that. Was that. So funny. That was she, was, she was convinced. Ten minutes. Wait, ten minutes of me going. Right, yeah, well, he turned heel when? Until I realised she'd just dreamt it and yeah, Josh Alexander had not turned heel. <laughs> it was just what a thing to dream about. You can't always watch stuff intensely, but you think when the world champion turns heel. Yeah, I was like, I'm sure I'm, remember, have I missed a week of impact or like is there something happened on like the YouTube channel or something? <laughs> um, <laughs> but like this was one where, yeah, it proper shot me and then you know, watched the back. The match was very good. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I suppose, you know, you're not going to get, you know, it's one of them. It seemed to me obvious that they were building towards books versus FDR for all of the belts, but I suppose, you know, as, as nice as that sounds for a one-off match, you've then got that, you know, it's like, I always used to think that when Ultimo Dragon was walking around with the, you know, the J-Crown and all his belts, like, just going, but he's got to lose them all at some point, like, and I'll just separate them, it's a fucking yeah. nightmare, and it's a political nightmare, like, if the FDR are walking around with four sets of tag belts, they've got to lose four sets of tag belts separately, so... I get why we didn't do it, but yeah, I was convinced that's where we were headed. So proper out of nowhere, tag title change to me. Didn't uh, didn't see this coming one bit. I didn't see this coming one bit at all. I was surprised, and I thought actually it's quite odd because we've just moved the tag belts off a team where we've had a kind of heel turn within that little faction as well. And this is another tag team who are champions. Where you think at some point could we be getting some sort of turn from say a Shane Strickland? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that would be the one that I would expect. I mean. It gives them a focus in AEW, if that's the case. I suppose there is a lot of kind of potential. And don't get me wrong, like the match was a lot of fun, like for what it was, but I kind of expect it to be fun with these components. Ironically, I wouldn't have put the belt on them two. I would have put it on, if you were going to take it off them, I'd put them on Starks and Hobbs. That entire entire Team Taz faction is a face faction now at this point. It really is. And I think you should go with it as well and if you can get kind of hook on tv there as well at the same time you've got taz on commentary it works out because that that crowd really like ricky starks and um and hobbs as well they're kind of like over at, th- at this point it just makes me think are we going to end up dragging out that feud while the bucks do some stuff with kenny or ftr and you know it, it's it's just, it just felt like a weird title change 
to get the belts just off kind of Jurassic Express in order to have that in order to have that heel turn basically. And then they're just kind of like placeholder champions for the Bucks. It's just a very weird run. It feels like one of the TNT title runs where you're like early on where you're like, what? And you hope it doesn't lead to the kind of similar amount booking of those titles afterwards. Because I think it needs to stay on these guys and just have some focus. Just have them. There's loads of tag teams they can they can wrestle. So just have them doing that. Yeah, I suppose it's just it, 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 are we using it as a crux to like do that eventual turn? You know, like we've been teasing it. You know, Keith Lee and, and Sway have turned it on each other. Like, is that what it's going to be? Uh, I don't really know what to be honest. What what a tag title run with them too really looks like um that, that's mm. the oddest thing for me but i'm not wrong with the wrestling promotion you know i'm surprised you every now and then but yeah it's certainly not one i would have booked and unfortunately yeah we put out our um awa review i put it out uh, the morning after and there's a lot of talking there about uh, what's gonna happen with uh ftr and the books and the uh, and the tag belts and stuff that you can just ignore now but yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the extent to which we were confident you know the that uh, the books were gonna have the uh, the belts for a little while i, I just hope that um you know the 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 Keith Lee and Strickland don't fall to that main character syndrome that we get with the AEW tag division, where mm. that was the thing that happened. You know, we talked about it with Jurassic Express. That yes, they were the tag champs, but who were the main characters of the tag division? Well, it was the Bucks and whoever they were feuding with. And to be honest, a yeah. lot of the time, and rightly so at the moment, because they're riding such a wave of momentum. FTR. So yeah, it seems like a weird division to try and give them focus on, but I guess we'll uh, we'll see how the booking goes, but. Yeah, any, any other mm. thoughts on uh, on Dynamite or, or Rampage itself? Rampage didn't feel particularly uh, newsworthy match. Some, some all right matches on the you know, standard kind of uh, Rampage card, really. Um, it's all kind of yeah. eyes on this week. It was it was standard Rampage for it as well. I mean, the, the match out Gresham Moriarty was, was a good match. But to be honest, they had Claudio come out and he's going to get much, he has a much he's bigger response from the crowd. 100%. He's getting the belt. Gresham. He's absolutely getting the belt. I almost feel bad for Gresham, but like I, I think like yeah. in ROH it worked to make him the world champion, especially at the end of the promotion. It's like this feel good. We've seen this guy work up and get the pure title over and be one of our guys. And you know, if you're if you're an ROH fan or a modern ROH fan, maybe not someone like me, but someone who was watching that, you know, the more recent product, and you're invested and you're invested in Gresham. What a nice story it is he's world champion. I think we discovered like that works parachute him into a different company i.e. AW, and he's just grandfathered in as your world champion doesn't yeah. work quite as well does it because it's like okay, no. who is this guy what's his deal like he's a short guy who does technical wrestling and wears a, a weird mask and carries a flag cool um is but he doesn't feel like a world champion does he maybe that's something to no. do with the way you know roh rightly is you know being presented as lesser than AEW, and you know they are getting these weird little you know almost unwelcome segments on uh on shows but yeah, it's, it's he's certainly uh, the mer- the new merch looks all right. Oh, I love the logo. I'll be buying. Uh, yeah, his tracksuits. I'll be buying them. But no, I think I think Gresham just yeah, he's been ex- not maybe exposed as too strong a way, but he just uh, yeah, yeah, it hasn't worked very well for him. Has he? he's, he's not not been over, and he's just he's just a guy on the shows, isn't he? And he doesn't stand out as like the tippy top champion. I think that that switch is probably going to be made at the weekend. Well, the TV title has been presented as being much more of True. importance and significance in storylines, hasn't yeah. it? There's been a lot more with Jay Lethal, Samoa Joe in terms of building anything involving Gresham. 
And part of the problem is it's like, well, he's the guy who goes out and have really good matches, but it's like he's on a card where there's that's happening up and kind of generally down the card as well. And you put John Gresham exhibition matches, doesn't he? That's what we were saying. Yeah. And this is television wrestling. This is television wrestling. This is a different entity altogether. And I think you sign the money for Claudio for him to come in. You've got the story of Claudio never getting the Ring of Honor world title, so it kind of or never getting a world title, so it kind of plays into that as well. You're putting the belt on him. You'd be like you've you've paid all that. that. And also you're trying to get a TV deal. And I know he's obviously Tony Khan's been talking with a lot with um uh Discovery. Um, about what they can possibly get, and that he's the kind of person you want to have on there. It's like, look at this guy. He was, you know, kind of workhorse in WWE, and you know they're going to put him out there because he's going to draw more, isn't he? And ultimately, this is what it is. It's kind of a money business, and I don't see Jonathan Gresham outdrawing him for that. That's not to say there isn't a, a place for him. It's just that in this incarnation of Ring of Honor which has got, you know, somebody with a lot of money behind it and he's going to put into this as well, he's going to want to put his best foot forward, isn't he? It says everything that, like, with very little build-up or forewarning, they've just randomly turned them heel, shoved them in with Tully Blanchard, which, you know, Tully Blanchard Enterprises couldn't come across more mid-card. So, like, it it does feel very, like, you know, Sinclair or ROH stable you know like one of those stables that like you forget exists until you're randomly watching roh pay-per-view every every six months it feels like that um it doesn't it doesn't read like they've got much confidence in him you know that they've uh they've done this and it's probably it's probably going to be for the best and you know gresham can mix it up in the pure division with those types of lads i think that's probably the spot for him um in this roh uh, going forward yeah exactly i just say about claudio versus jake hager it was a WWE TV match. I yeah. barely forgotten they tagged. I barely forgotten they tagged together. And I was like, oh, all that We the People stuff with Dutch Mantel, wasn't it? Didn't need like, that, but... to be honest. <laughs> I, nah. that. I, I don't need that. You know, twice a year. Oh yeah, we pay JK get to wrestle. We might as well give him a match. Like I enjoyed the faux MMA one with Wardlow this time last year, but you know, outside of that, I don't really need to see that lad. You know, put trunks on and have wrestle matches. Nah. Like he can stand behind Jericho, and if you know. He wants to steal a wage, then whatever, you know. Uh, but that's the most I want to see him on my TV. It is also a case as well that this Claudio match with, with Jonathan Gresham on this Ring of Honor pay-per-view is probably third slash fourth most interesting match on the card mm. and is the one that's had the least build mm. out of any of the matches on that card. Where we've had quite a few, we've had a few weeks of Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deep in there as a match. And now it feels like it's this one was getting all very much getting shoehorned in, wasn't it? It's just a setup for. I mean, a lot of the matches on this are just kind of one week or two week builds because that's all the time they've had for them. That's the problem with you know trying to do ROH, uh, you know, as positive. Turn Rampage into Ring of Honor, mate. Just could well that, be, could well be. Well, we've done it with Dark this week, so we'll see. But you know, yeah. all like that really, and you know, the Claudio. It just feels like you know it's set up for Claudio to get the belt, and then maybe he'll get a storyline that's more worth sinking his teeth into. But that's I've it. got to say, on that match, they spent a fucking lot of the. Good God, did Jim Ross do his best to get you, to put Jake Aker over in that match? Oh my God! Desperately trying to put over. Like, oh no, we. It's quite funny. He's talking in the past tense as well. He's like, oh, we, you know, we all saw something in him. You know, we all expected big things out of out of uh, Jack Swagger. It's like, yeah, 
past tense you did and then it didn't happen, you know? Mm. Uh, what have He's you made? clunky, this? isn't he? Oh, awful. What have you made of this Jim Ross uh, switch to like the second hour on Dampo, uh, Dynamite one hour on Rampage? I think he's. I don't know. I I, I don't think it's helping because, like, I think you, you go, he comes out there, we waste TV time doing his big entrance every week. Like, why is that not happening while only the fight cameras are rolling? Why have we got to do that every week? And then he gets out there, and because he's not warmed up, you get the worst of JR for the second hour of Dynamite. And then he's, you know, stinking up Rampage, which is already, you know, bad enough with uh, with Jericho shouting in the booth. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like this won't be an improvement, but I don't know if it's... Is it helping? It didn't... Uh... <sighs> It kind of helps because it feels like Dynamite gets off to a good footing mm. when it's Excalibur, Taz, and Shivani. And, you know, Genetic. it feels like it's on a much better... <laughs> yeah. And then he should just stay like that. But then Tony kind of goes backstage, doesn't he? And in the ring doing those kind of segments as JR goes out there. And I agree. That entrance for JR does not need to be on TV at all. That should be happening on an ad break. Like, I'm not talking picture in picture, just in an ad break. It doesn't You don't need to see it. The live crowd kind of enjoy it and get a kick out of it fine but then leave it just for the live crowd because it does feel like a kind of waste of real estate for that i don't know at this point i'm kind of numb to him he is who he is he does the lines he can do i i think there is some value getting him to do as like the kind of hand to the king style role like i think would be a like a lot more like kind of a better use of his skills at, at this point because when it comes to calling matches it doesn't seem like he's that interested like a lot of the times he just wants to talk about the things he wants to talk about. Like you mentioned about Jake, Jake Hager there. And it's just like, there's no selling in the world that's going to make us kind of take Jake, Jake Hager above the level of where he is. It's like he was doing a deep dive podcast on the career of Jake Hager. That's the whole thing. Isn't oh. <laughs> to start? It's like, it's yeah. an episode of one of his podcasts rather than I'm actually earnestly trying to put out. No, he's a he... unit from Oklahoma. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah. And when he does say he likes things, like, I don't know, I don't always believe, I believe him when it's Jake Hager, but I don't necessarily believe him either. It doesn't necessarily sound like he's having a, a particularly good time, but yeah, it's an experiment. We'll uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, anything more on AEW before we move to uh, a couple of other things? Oh, have you got any notes on uh, the new uh, the new big stable, mate? Uh, Aya Davari, Slim J and oh, Parker Bordeaux. Did you ever, uh, did you ever see, that, see that one coming? Slim J and Vinny Brock Lesnar are a tag team in the year of our Lord 2022. Special K Legends, Slim J. I never thought I'd see it. <laughs> Why not? And he's clearly not chucked out any of the gear he was wearing from his Special K days. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, like Eminem. I'm assuming you, as, as as the official Ring of Honor historian, that you're you loving a bit of Special K. I loved the, the, I loved the wrestling K. group. I loved not Slim ketamine. J. Mate, Slim? that's I'm- horse tranquilizer <laughs> shit. Like, like, it's big with club in the early 2000s. I did that. Oh, really? Yeah. How'd that go? Once. <laughs> I, I feel like I can't say in case like people from my working for it, it was mental. I'll put it that way. Like it Two was indoors ago, as yeah, well. Whatever. So it's like it was. Mate, I was 22 at the time. I was like, <laughs> I am remember turning around mate going, I'm off my tits. Gone. <laughs> Just absolutely gone. Never again. But if it if it if it drugs horses. The clue is really then to stay away from it. But clearly, Slim J isn't doing it. He didn't seem that slim either. He seemed big like a lad these days. Kind of yeah. Big lad over time. It a couple of years ago, he popped up again, like, you know, seems a bit prominent doing indies and stuff. Like, I, early 2000s ROH, like, he was never really got the, 
not that any of the special K guys deserve particular credit, but there were guys who, you know, got more focus than others, like Izzy and Dixie and the like. But he was um he was always one of my favourites. He had a he was very uh, a bit mm. like uh, amazing red at the time. I felt like he came like he and like invented a lot of different spots. A lot of things when you watch those old shows, I feel like Will Ospreay kind of aped. Um I always wonder whether Osprey took any uh, any influence from Slim Jake. So there are a couple of um Osprey spots that uh, that he definitely uh, maybe begs be- 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 stolen or borrowed from uh from Slim J, but yeah, he's a real like what a like. I, I hate that phrase. We didn't have that number twenty twenty two bingo card, but I say the mini Brock Lesnar who was put no. over by Paul Homan as the next big thing in WWE and was also you know had attitude problems and other reasons why WWE have apparently um, been them off. Didn't expect AEW to pick him up, and then when they picked him up, did not accept him to be uh, grouped with the uh, with this group of lads. Maybe when um, what's it called Slim Giant uh, Ari. <laughs> maybe maybe when, uh, isn't maybe when, it the, isn't it the Leo Rush gimmick they've not given to him though when Leo Rush had made a load of money oh that was weird Leo Rush crypto. did the shoot didn't he where he was like yeah that wasn't my idea <laughs> maybe Tony was like really uh, really yeah. adamant somebody does that gimmick uh, but I was going to say we, yeah, maybe we want uh, a crypto bro gimmick and we want it now and we're doing <laughs> it hell or high water it's such a random collection of individuals. It wouldn't shock me if fucking, you know, when Clark Gable Stevenson gets uh, binned off by WWE, which is happening soon, by the way, uh, Matty, um, he'll end up with them lockers. Like, I didn't didn't see that coming. It's it, Yeah, it's interesting that they're doing stables for Dark, though. Mm. Like, as a show that doesn't get a lot of attention. I kind of enjoy when I hear about the tapings that they do in Orlando, where they go back to that smaller setting. It feels like oh, that's actually a lot more interesting. Just as a product, I don't have time to get around to watching it. Um, like I struggle enough with Rampage for Christ's sakes. So like, but I will have a look at this Ring of Honor Dark. I'm kind of intrigued to see what they do with that. as just a, a use of, of Dark in there. But these kind of stables, they're like kind of the level of like the wingmen and they appear to have kind of gone and died a death, which isn't any sad thing. I don't think anyone's, who was that big bloke who was in there? He just always looked Did like he was going to hurt someone. Oh, not JD Drake. He's fine. No, I don't mind oh, him Oh, I know at what all. you mean. Yeah, like, the XWDB guy. Yeah. The, the Brazilian bloke. Mm. Like, you know, that it was pandemic era. Like, kind of, they were the people who were around. They were the people you could bring in. But it was before the wave of WWE releases, which have ended up kind of kind of taking away a lot of the spots for those kind of guys. But, yeah, Parker Pedro just, he still looks like a creator wrestler. Like, every time I look at him and I look at the tattoos, he's like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my own Brock Lesnar. Here he is. <laughs> but you've got, instead, you've got a height restriction because you haven't paid for the DLC pack. What a gang of lads. Amazing. Um, yeah. But, yes, we're moving on from uh, from AEW. Mm. Um, talk, some, uh, talk some New Japan. The G1 has kicked off, JP. Mm. No big intro anymore. We don't do the uh, the big theme. <laughs> Although I got a bit nostalgic. Mate, I don't even do oh. the G1 pickums. Have you done the pickums this no, year? Oh, I missed it this year. I've said that's a way. When we did the live stream two years in a row, I've uh, missed out just few pure can't be arseness uh but i will say when i when i threw some uh, some g1 on today you know the uh at the end of the show we threw on the classic g1 song it made me feel a little bit nostalgic but yeah the the worst thing was jp while we were recording that 24 wow. hour stream two g1 shows happened <laughs> like we had one that was just ending when Mate. we started and then day two had uh had started up when we were uh, we were still going <laughs> we should have just done uh done live watch alongs but yeah, uh, yeah, it's day one and two I've seen so far. Have you uh, have you seen the two of them? So I've seen day one. Mm. Um, I did a lot of this today while I was doing various sort of clearing out in my flat. So I've seen a day one, uh, but I haven't seen day two yet. It started on that. Um, I don't know. I felt kind of 
I, as as a kind of thing that was on for a lot of it, including the undercards, I kind of enjoyed listening through a G1, and there was a bit of novelty to it in some of the people there as well. So, like, I don't know, maybe on that that day one, I was like, oh yeah, that was that was generally fine. It's not the high standard; it's still the clap crowd era, and there's there's issues I have around that. I mean, if we're talking classic G1 themes. I still think that men with a mission, the lads with the dog heads, that one they did, um, was it break the contradictions? That's the classic G one song for me. That was awesome. Joe hated it. Absolutely fucking hated that song. (laughs) I loved it when we played it every week for those four weeks. For an entire song. (laughs) That's that's when it felt like New New Japan was kind of at a peak with a lot of this stuff where it felt like, oh my God, like this this is just the tournament for everything. I I have to admit this new format I kinda like. It feels like a lot of the big like a lot of the for the wrestlers themselves it seems good. Like it's spaced out a bit. Um, obviously there was only the four matches I saw on there, but I thought like, you know, going into the, the big stuff from the day when I thought ELP Will Ospreay was, was really good. Like I, I, I really found myself in enjoying that. It was like kind of a, a dynamic that it feels like we've seen in Rev Pro at some point. I, like- I can't quite remember them. I liked LP, like, and I like when they do these little stories where he's like, okay, I'm, okay I fuck around all year. I'm going to take mm. this tournament seriously. I thought that was like a a good little yeah. um, thing to have in there. Yeah, that that was the pick of the matches of the the two days that I've watched. Um, I still struggle to give it too much credit. I don't know. It's just it's it is. It's like you know, is it any worth us having a long conversation about how oh you know the clap crowds aren't the same, but they're not the same. It is. It does make it tougher to watch. It does. You know, make the G one. You know, those open in two days. You know, you know, you're looking for like a you know a big upset on day one or day two. You're looking for you know big matches. You're you're looking for a big atmosphere. Mm. You don't get any of that, do you? It's just this cold tournament thrown at you. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm with you with the format to be honest, because I kind of I threw these two days on before unspoiled, thinking, oh cool, I'll get to see a, a bit of a bit of Tom Lawler in group action and I know we had that match uh, early on on day one mm. that wasn't part of the tournament but oh, yeah, I, re- I realised oh White was having these four blocks and having one block match a day all it's going to do is stretch and stretch and stretch the tournament out and you know you get, you're not getting everyone from A block on, on each day and everyone from B block on the alternate day it's going to be a few days before you see some of these people maybe it'll keep them fresh and maybe it'll it'll work in, in the opposite way but if, if feels already to me like it's going to be a harder slog for that reason um because you're not getting that out the way i don't know i just wanted a change of the usual ghetto format and hopefully then a change of the usual ghetto booking like that was the fear is the last few years we have gone through incredibly sort of stagnant booking tropes certain cities certain people are going to win there's going to be a big upset in a sucker there's always a big upset on day one it was just thought where was the big upset going to be and i think a lot of people assumed it would be Cobb over Okada. instead we got hanari over tanahashi which wasn't necessarily great for someone who'd been talking loads about wanting to be in a g1 you kind of expect to see a bit more mm. whereas i won't lie on the undercard i've watched everything of tom lawler royce isaacs and anything involving bad dude tito Maybe that'll who help. just when we get to the Lola yeah. tournament matches, I'll feel a little bit refreshed. Yeah, 
I'm I'm just loving the fact that he has his own logo as Team Filthy. It's not New Japan Strong's Tom Lawler, it's Team Filthy, which suggests that there's like a degree of importance. The fact that there's some people there from that Royce Isaacs is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the pin eater when he does the tags and stuff, but that's absolutely fine. I, I don't think Royce Isaacs is complaining about it. And if you're going to bring out kind of guys who've been working in the US indie scene, I'd sooner see a Royce Isaacs and Darrell Nelson out there than a Chase Owens. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot more upside there. I think like Tom Laura is going to get over. Like what do you I just think, of think him, he um, bringing the Daisy Dukes to Japan. I thought he might drop that. No, I'm fine with it. I'm mm. absolutely fine. I've never really had that much of an issue with the Daisy Dukes. And I think I, I think it's slight. I don't know how what you know the wrestling fandom of Japan. What their feelings on denim is like. That's a. <laughs> That's a tough thing to market research. Where is Gareth when you need him? Tell you where he is, sunning up in Croatia. Not thinking about <laughs> any of this us. stuff at all. <laughs> nope. Um, so you look at that and I just think, well, you know, ultimately he's there, he's doing his kind of claps. He's he's talked about being in the monster block and, you know, comparing himself to Inui, the, um, the Japanese boxer who's just absolute beast, just takes people out. So I... I just hope that he has a good tournament. I just hope he ends up in Japan. Like I, I, I really do because I think his, his wrestling style is going to be the thing that ultimately kind of gets him over with this. And he's got a style that I think will work really well in Japan if he's put in featured matches and he's fresh, which is how I actually felt about certain people being in some of the position, having watched seeing a bad dude Tito there. I didn't expect to see him there when we first saw him on blood sport, but, do you know what? He was perfectly fine. But yeah, I found myself enjoying things like that on the undercard rather than, you know, he gets to oh. Chaos versus LIJ and I'm like, I couldn't give two shits. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bother me ass watching that on the undercard. But, you know, I thought a card of, yeah, uh, it's just at the minute we've not had anything absolutely killer. I take it, has there been anything on day two that's been like kind no, of the I- higher standard? I think kind of, I don't know, it felt like because it was the first couple of days, you know, you, you, it's almost like we're having this forced attempt to give us great, like, or big matches. Like, I I think you were about to say, you you know, you really like to card the Jeff Cobb. Maybe it's the Jeff Cobb factor, you know, I'm on record of not really hugely being into a, to Cobb, um, but just something... <laughs> Something about him didn't doesn't really work for me. And in, in, only one um, Jeff as a wrestler is enough for you. There's well, only I'm, one you want. I don't want to be too harsh on him because I know I'm in a minority and I know he is good. He just doesn't interest me. I just find him a bit, a bit bland and a bit boring. And him and Okada going out there trying to have a 20 plus minute New Japan main event because it's the mm. G1 just didn't really work for me um, as a match and, you know, the clap crowd stuff and all of that. So, yeah, I didn't really like that element of it i think what i want out of a g1 and maybe i'm not going to get it with this with this format is your quick fire 15 less than 15 minute matches that's what i want mm. i want probably miss having eight singles i'm going to miss having eight singles matches on each card because i think when that's the format you get more of that whereas i think this is going to lean more into forcing people to try and do the longer epics i think that's yeah. especially true on day two like the Zack Sabre Jr. and Kenta match went about 10 minutes too long for what they were trying to do. Like that was a, 
they told a fun story. Like it was, it was your kind of, it was most interesting when they were striking, which I actually think is normally mm. the case with their matches when Kenta's trying to grapple with Zach. I don't think it's near as interesting as when the when Zach steps it up and is trying to like trade strikes or something and and knock shades the shit out of him. There were moments like that where uh, that were interested in that match, but they went like. It felt like near twenty five minutes, maybe a little bit less than that, which was too long, you know, for a se- for a semi main event. And then, in fact, I only, I, and then like Juice Robinson and Shingo, who like I I heard waiting say it like Juice Robinson had no business, you know, being fresh back from injury in a main event going twenty three minutes with Shingo, like he couldn't hang, he just couldn't. It was bang average, <laughs> like for a big main event opening weekend, you mm. want bang average doesn't cut it and. It probably would have been better if they'd just done a twelve-minute sprint. Like, in fact, I know it would have been better if they'd done a twelve-minute sprint. And I'm wondering whether it's going to be one of those G ones where it is going to be, you know, yeah. hamstrung by that. Like again, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing quick Tom Lawler matches, seeing you know, come out with Team Filthy and just be that little bit of, you know, freshness that you can you can add to the card. But you know, the only short match doesn't really, it turn into eight? Doesn't it turn into eight? Cut? Don't they do like? a couple of shows later on on this tour I on the G1 so. tour which are like Did kind of eight card I don't know I'm sure this feels like a conversation we've had before before I went away on holiday and you've had still the moving around in the 24 hour podcast and that time so Christ knows um, I, I get your point but yeah go on it, it feels like the G1 in and of itself what the appeal of it was to the hardcore wrestling fan and to the IWC um, was always the fact that this was like an endurance test for like the world's best wrestlers. Part of it was you're wrestling high intensity matches day after day after day in a really quick space of time. And yet injuries could happen. But the whole idea was you had to have like really good, strong matches every day. Do you think of like an AJ Styles in there as well? Just having to kind of have great matches with all manner of range of opponents. It was like a real test of, how good a wrestler you are. And we saw people like Hangman Page come of age during G1s, where it's just like, actually, this guy's good. He can he can hang at this level. And we've seen, you know, we, we, we've seen it with these tournament formats. And I think at this point now, it's more about kind of spreading it out for kind of booking trope purposes. Yeah, I just think the change in... Sorry, just to, just mm. to say, it's for, we get five match cards for the foreseeable, and then, yeah, the last couple of days you do get, like, it's like, you know, a, a couple of years ago where you get, like, your you eight, eight singles. Mm. But, yeah, the, the book on it, like, I mean, it, I suppose that's not a huge difference from, like, last year and such, but, I, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I just think because of the clap crowds as well, they're going to... When they do that, yeah. they stack the undercard with these, with these mixed tags, and then, like, the bulk... You know the thing that's you know supposed to sell the show is these big matches at the end that they're not going to help themselves with the twenty minute plus and, matches. And we still have lots of dross around the place. There's like if I don't want to always say well next year it should be good, but next year making sure that there isn't some sort of global pandemic that takes place, which is a statement that a few years ago I would have laughed at afterwards, but now I take sort of a little bit more deadly seriously since then. But like the idea that we could have like a real, like the thing that we, we're missing as well is like a lot of those kind of really fresh matchups and new people being involved, which would kind of liven it up and an overall quality control. In other words, chuck out Yujiro, 
like shouldn't be anywhere near any of this stuff. Um, <laughs> no most wonderful time of the year jingle this year, Liam asks. Um, I, sadly not, because I actually don't like this new G1 song they've got. It's crap. <laughs> We'd use the, the, the sort of classic one, you know. I just don't think that uh, that phrase works anymore. Most wonderful time of the year. I think that's uh, <laughs> you know I don't know when that is in a, in the wrestling. It's too much of an endurance test these days. Yeah, it's tough, and I think if you're not mm-hmm. doing a podcast about it, you're not you're going to use the app to to pick and choose. And yeah, I know Gareth, he is on all these. A cut of a break. He's only got day one on so far, but I was using it for day one. You know, going to, like to bomb through like the matches that I, you know I saw and rated Osprey and Phantasmo. Yeah. I gave four. St- I gave did I give it four? I gave it three point seven five in the end, but I could easily see. Uh, it. Okay. Before. Um yeah, I can I can see I can see that. That was probably my pick really. Okada, Jeff Cobb, I went three and a half. Um you know, yeah, that was three point seven five. Uninspired three and a half for me, you know. Um just uh, you know, almost feel like you have to give it because it's an Okada, you know, big main event. Um it it was what it was, but you know, certainly not, you know, a day one main event of uh of vintage past. Uh Juice Robinson Shingo, I go three on. Um once uh, once Garrett gets it up on the app. Zach and Kent did I go three and a half. Would have been maybe three point seven five, it'd have been a that bit shorter. Yano and Jonah had a bit of a you know, is 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 he Yano comedy match and you know uh, Counts out finish and you know not time up. Like, of course he did. Of course he did. Um, yeah. You got all of that. So yeah, um, <laughs> you got all that. That 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 was you know I'm not even. You sound like a man who's you know. been made to force to watch Mister Bean. Yet, you know, <laughs> I'm not rating that on the app. And yeah, Tai Chi and, he, and Ishii was you know probably the pick of of day two. That's probably a three point seven five star range match. You know, it doesn't feel the freshest in the world, but you know, Tai Chi will. You might well, as he as he kind of always does. Maybe it shouldn't surprise us anymore. He'll sneak up upon you and have these, you know, sneaky little uh, good matches. He was in there with Ishii, you know, which uh, which does yeah. help. But that and he's hometown as well, isn't he? Mm. He's from Sapporo. Yeah, that helped, and like I say, the fifteen minute mm. runtime helped as well. Out so through the first idea. night, mm. second night. Wow. Well, maybe it's for that. reasons. Yeah, maybe it's that. I doubt it's Juice Robinson in the main event, so it's probably uh, something to oh. to do with that. Can I just say, Jay White and Sonata had the match you would exactly expect them to have. <laughs> they had they had that match, except more and more. Like I did find it funny when Jay White was saying, "Oh, it's really hot, really hot Japanese summer," and then started making comments about the fact that you know if you switched Sonata's head, if you turned it 180 degrees, he'd effectively look the same. Yeah, because of his his beard. And all I ever come back to is Doctor Zayas in that episode of The Simpsons with Troy McClure as starring on stage. <laughs> I hate every ape I see from chimpan A to chimpanzee. <laughs> You'll never make a That's monkey just... out of me. Sorry, fucking, how do I still remember that? Um, it's Dr. Zayas. It is Dr. Zayas. I had the whole album oh. with all the, uh, the songs on it. Classic. Um, <laughs> but there you go. G1. You know, I, I think, like I say, I'm with you. Most inspiring thing was seeing uh, Tom Lawler doing his best uh, yeah. American males clap and uh, dancing around and uh, and seeming to get over with the fans. Outside of that, bit of a bland start, I thought. But, you know, maybe yeah. we'll, uh, we'll see as the, uh, as the days run on. But, yeah, moving on from uh, from New Japan. Um, any thoughts on uh, on the Noah stuff you've, uh, you've watched? I think we were, we were saying during the live stream. Like, I'm not even there uh, just putting you up here, JP. I, I think those Noah results are uh, are quite interesting. You know, I mean, maybe mm. it might be a uh, boy you cry wolf on it. Uh, we were talking to WH about it. And oh, it yeah. was a bit like, right, yeah, cool. But, like, look at the attendance, which was pretty fucking dire. But some results in there that look like, you know, uh, 
if, if you just parachuted in and weren't aware of the shit show of these last six months, you'd be like, oh, that's a promotion that knows what it's doing. You know, Kiyomiya over uh, over Muto and, you know, putting the, uh, you know, taking the the belt off Kojima, you know, and putting her on Nakajima. I feel like that's a, uh, that's the no we want, is it not? Um, you know, new tag team champions as well. A lot of, uh, lot of refreshing mm-hmm. going on in there on this card, JP. Eat. So, I mean, we've made comments about Noah being like Japanese TNA mm. at a lot of points where they've ended up booking kind of older names from the past over the younger guys that they'd spent time studiously building up when they were really in a bleak state of affairs, mm. the, where the idea of them running Budokan was a thing that wasn't going to happen. Now, we're talking Budokan, so it's, you know, what, 12,000 that holds? And it's like just over 3,000 as that it looks spectacular again they've got like the great production values and everything else and they've got Stuart Fulton doing the English kind of announcements as well because he has that kind of voice on him and you had Rene Dupree commentating for half of the cards alongside and then you had Anthony Green on for the first bit but from what I saw of this Noah show it kind of through there's some stuff they did well there's some stuff that I think they're lucking into there's a change in the direction which I kind of think to myself in the way that, you know, the way that Japanese wrestling tends to think and the kind of very territorial nature of it, the idea of Kojima being GHC heavyweight champion and then wrestling second on Mm. some like anonymous new Japan road to the G1 climax shows where he isn't a featured part kind of made me think they weren't going to give him the longer run to then have Fujita go over him. So then putting on Keno and almost aggressively going in a direction where Keno says, I'm going to take out all the old guys. And as one of the people that you've enjoyed when watching Noah, Keno's like a really rock solid choice. Like from when, I don't want to say he first got the belt in like 2019, but it feels like the first runs were like when Noah was kind of on its ass. It didn't have the kind of level of sustained support that it's had. However, at Cyberfight Festival, he was given like this massive intro and everything else. And like, he looked like a star and he's come across more as a star in recent weeks. And they, Congo were the biggest kind of star element of Noah for me in the um, co-promoted show with New Japan. So then putting it on Keno is a lot more interesting. If it's him saying, I want to take on each of these old guys who've been trying to hold down like Noah and him taking on, taking them out would be absolutely fantastic if they go in that direction. And I thought this was a really good match, but away because it was proper shit kicking because Kojima can go like a 50 years old. He's kind of broken down, but what he has is he had this kind of very handy device within the match. To just throw a massive fucking lariat when in doubt, when he was kind of falling down and Hey, it worked. And it was always great when it kind of came back to it. Had big match feel. Keno wasn't showing respect because that's not his character. His character is he's a dick. Mm. It's just that he feels much more of a kind of like main event dick here than than anything else. Oh, some really good big um, exchanges going on. I went four stars on this. I thought, yeah, this is kind of what I want to see from a GHC heavyweight title defense because there's always like a bit of a mad finish as well. And this time he did a moonsault double knees to Kojima's chest, who I point out is in his early 50s, having had some absolute wars throughout his career. So, yeah, I thought like this was a really good main event and I fully go along with the, the decision to take the put the title on Keno. It's just that it's like what we're saying about impact at the minute. You burn a lot of bridges or like you kind of create a lot of bad blood 
really, with a lot of the booking that they've done. And I used to always think with TNA slash Impact, if they do this consistently over a year, then you've earned my fandom back. Yeah, I don't think like one show isn't enough to change it. We've been in this position several times. Mm. And what I mean by it is they've got a main event mix, which can involve Keno, Nakajima, Go Shiyazaki, and uh, Kaito Kiyomiya with any number of other kind of interesting people you can slot in and out of that. And I think that's fundamentally fine and it's a place to build from. Um, and I'll get onto Kiyomiya in a moment with that as well, but like putting the belt on Keno probably because he's one of the better characters. And I think it also, you can then have the dissolution of Congo or kicking Nakajima out of Congo as well, where he's that kind of odder fit in the group. And the fact he sits back from it all, um, I wonder if they're keeping the powders dry with with Nakajima. I know he was on the undercard, so I'm intrigued to see what they do there. But the the big match, and it really felt like it. This was kind of like the main event was the Keiji Muto versus Kaito Kiyomiya because they gave him the big kind of um, they played the final countdown while they had lots of images of his career. Hmm. Then you had other bits which were the um, oh what do you call it um, like you know, they gave him the big entrance and video package beforehand. And I just looked at this match as the Kaito Kiyomiya show. Don't get me wrong. I don't want, don't want to take away from, from Muto. And I went 3.75 on the app for this because this went 26 minutes, which was too long. However, Kiyomiya was selling like a motherfucker here. Absolutely selling those dragon screws. Yeah, four stars on the app. Yeah. Getting the, you know, getting basically the old idea was he was overcoming the older man's offense. He'd finally learned how to to kind of take him on. Um, and I thought his selling was tremendous. I thought, you know, Muto worked hard. He did a hurricanrana off the top, which he has no right in doing. And I tell you what, even the commentators are going, This is scary. This is scary. And I'm like, no shit. He's standing on the top rope with his fucking knees, about to do um uh, a Frankensteiner from the top rope, which he did. And Kiyomiya sold it like a million bucks as well. Um, he also kicked out of three shining wizards and he, and he tapped out to the figure four and, you know, and afterwards he was given the shining wizard as his finisher, which in that, you know, within Japanese wrestling culture, that stuff means a lot. And it felt like, I thought this was like, this had the kind of requisite amount of drama there as well. And it was like, I think everyone was shocked by it because guess what? It had the right result. It had the young lad overcoming the the legend on his way out, doing his tour of retirement. And he, I mean, but the thing about Muto selling is if you watch him in the ring, he doesn't look like he's selling a figure four at points. It's just like he's kind of lent there going, oh, right, get sit me ass here for a couple of minutes as well. Oh, I should scream. Ah, you know, it's not great compared to Kiyomiya, who's like kind of, being quite dramatic in everything he does as well. But he, I can't say he didn't work his ass off and I can't say I didn't enjoy it because I fucking did. And right man went over now. Let's never speak of this series ever again. <laughs> but 
like, but what's the surprise? He'll put over possibly a couple of younger lads and still end up with the GHC heavyweight title at the end of it all. Like, don't be surprised. No, this is count one of this. It, WrestleMania six, you know, he's the focus yeah. on. It's the it's the, oh. it's the guy retiring in it at this point. He's finally after you know beating Kimi into the ground or like you know having Kimi be the pin eater in tags and stuff, and finally puts him over. But it's when the spotlights are still very firmly on him. It's true, you isn't know it? what he's doing. I don't know if he's quite pulled the um, deputy dog, the blonde bald bandana wearing deputy dog sad face that Hogan would do if ever he lost where he came in and looked upset and crying, which he just wants someone to slap him and go, fuck off, Terry. Like, get out of the rings, dicking around. But, you know, it, it. I think it worked here for what it was. Whether or not it's like, the whole point is we shouldn't have really got to this stage with Kiyomiya. Should be much way more advanced. Like you know, what does he get? He finally gets the victory that he should have gotten like a year ago, and instead has been kind of toiling around in the mid card. But uh, hey ho, they got there. Um, I also watched um, Hideki Suzuki and Timothy Thatcher um, defeat um, Masakitamiya and Yoshiaki Inamura. Who, if you're not familiar with him, he's another hoss like Masakitamiya. And you know what? I think they've stumbled on a really good. Hoss lad tag team here. They should be sticking with these two. Match itself was three and a half stars. I thought it was very good. Thatcher's a really good natural fit. Um, Suzuki has um, some value as a kind of shit kicker of the highest order as well. And I thought this was like a, a good match. And, you know, if this is a series that these two teams happen like over the next couple of big shows, I'm absolutely fine with that. I think it gives some stability because it's a bit all over the place. But like I say, Inamura coming in as a replacement for Elgin, I was like kind of much more intrigued as well. And it just makes you feel like these are two of the younger guys bubbling behind the ones that I mentioned earlier on, where you, you kind of think you want to see Masakitamiya is someone I know, you know, Gareth has spoken very highly about in the past and has that kind of look and feel about him. So you want to see him kind of get more, more of a push. You don't, yeah. I think it proves you don't need Michael Elgin in your wrestling promotion. I think that's a most promotions mate, could you to learn. But do you know who I didn't realise you do need in your wrestling promotion if you're pro wrestling now? Rob Van Dam. I, was go- I thought you were going to say Rob Van Dam. I was mate. That joke. What? What's this hot? Even Tanaka in a hardcore tag match. I saw some yep. gifts and it was just like, what the fuck? Oh, there was a great bit with like what have to be gimmicked chairs where Masata Tanaka, they were doing like an awesome, Mike Awesome Masata Tanaka exchange, except it was Nasawa Wrong Guy, who's got an ICP tattoo on his, on like just underneath his chin. Tremendous. <laughs> Tremendous stuff. But they had this kind of, it was fun. It was a hardcore match. I mean, if I go through some of the, the age of these, you had Nasawa Wrong Guy at 45, Timmy was super crazy, he was 47, and he looks 47. I'm stunned. He's four years older than me. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know who's position. Preston put a, a couple of years on him, so you know, not mate. Yeah, I've done. Yeah, absolutely. Like some severeness going on there. And then versus Rob Van Damme, fifty-one, um, who looked great for fifty-one. Can't lie about it. Um, and Masata Tanaka is no business wrestling. I think he's forty-nine at this point. So what is it? It's a. It's an. It's an age. Or it's. Uh, 193 is the combined age, I think, of the people involved in this match. But, you know, it was a fuckload of fun. 
it was just because you don't often see these matches on like a big show or something on a big Noah show. So there were points where he did like his, you know, he did his spin kick from the ring apron to the outside, finished off with a five star frog splash. There was going through tables like, like say they did the all the Mike Awesome chair spots. Except every time he hit Nasaron guy with an unprotected chair shot of the head, it was like the middle of the chair just sort of bounced off and disappeared. So I was like, oh thank God, someone should have told. Masata Tanaka about these gimmick chairs in around 1993 or as soon as FMW opened the, <laughs> as soon as he turned up in ECW somehow, so you know somehow mate you saw his face when we when we met him in um uh in Wolverhampton it's just like I looked at him and was like mate I'm fearful I'm fearful of what's going on with this like what his memory recall is like but I thought it was really good fun I went three and a half purely out of nostal- nostalgia like for it but everyone worked their arse off and I think the crowd got something from it so I did I picked and choose and those were the the matches I went for there I didn't watch any of the junior stuff because people tend to be missing all the time so I can't be invested in it and I didn't watch Ninja Mac versus Dante Lee and I didn't but I'm assuming he getting over with the crowds they enjoy a bit of Ninja Mac I mean it's the there's bringing in some wild gaijin and there's bringing in wild gaijin and just to add on to it as well they've got a new brit turning up for their n1 victory their equivalent g1 nxt uk guy if i ever saw one Uh, jack morris i do you know what i am gonna give him like i've never seen him he's in icw i think he's been wrestling in and around um uh around scotland um He's what is he? He's got some sort of nickname on there. It's like Sublime Every Time Jack Morris. Sometimes, if this is like Joel Redmond doing that triple crown, as I reminded him of a Devon Holiday Camp, <laughs> then I'm absolutely fine with it because I think it adds a little bit of it adds a little bit of novelty to it. Like they're willing to take chances on people who you just like. I not aware of who this person is and i like to think i'm kind of in the know on this stuff but no so i uh, let me see how he is if he's got those fundamentals right and if he does really well then great we'll be talking about the legend that is jack morris so i'm, I'm retired it's a hell of a spot podcaster now so uh, i don't oh, you are now yeah i don't I don't, don't do british wrestling podcasting or brit res podcast in fact i'll have to amend my bio on twitter brit res podcasting is officially dead so yeah. <laughs> Listen to your uh, Graphics Express if you want those things. But, uh, Saved by the bell, Jack as, uh, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Second uh, week in a row, would say by the bell. Answers, but, oh, yeah. Interesting one to keep an eye on. But yeah, unless I'm mistaken, JP, that's a solid, nice little uh, two hours there. Unless there's uh, anything else you've uh, yeah. been watching, mate, before we uh, got out of here. You had your. Uh, this was a very was... much a back to business show this week in this. In oh, this yeah. Walter and Heat, I think two hours will do. But, uh, mate. you know, we got uh, got got all the nonsense in last week with uh, with Matty yep. and Garrett turning up halfway through the show and Martin being on at the top of the show and Steph doing little run ins and stuff. You know, this that was, was great to listen to. <laughs> it was a when Gareth press. turned up after seeing the exchanges where he's like, I can't, I've got this work. It's all of these things. And it was it was a glorious car wreck. I loved it for that. <laughs> there you go. Professionalism is uh, is back in the uh, in the spotlight booth last week, but I did enjoy the uh, the car crash. Professional podcasters doing a professional podcast. That's us. Exclude the word professional from it. Podcasters <laughs> doing a podcast. Mm. Yeah, that'll do. That'll, uh, that's probably the best uh, description mm. of us. But yeah, unless there's uh, anything else you want to reference, JP? No, that's it. I'll get caught up on MLW and some rest of the G1. And, and no doubt, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Ring of Honor show and MCW's Ballroom Brawl as well this weekend, which I'm, I like that. It's their Royal Rumble. 
I know you're big on it. It's big in the Aussie Graps calendar. <laughs> is that a no friend of the show David Storm's going to be in it as well so like oh, I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to it because like they hopefully there might be might be the odd surprise there but yeah I'm, I'm kind of intrigued not to look forward to there you go well yeah we got that obviously our uh, our uh, daily updates will be uh, happening this week our, yep. uh, to- our observe this slash uh, scuff the torch death uh, did go up on the other feed this week for, uh, for matrons to check mm-hmm. out there's the AW half year in review from last week and uh, like you said the uh, half foundation versus uh, versus Austin uh, deep cuts uh, that came out the week before up there as well and plenty more and yeah we'll be doing a big big weekend preview uh, on Friday of the uh, the ROH uh, pay-per-view coming up this weekend and then yeah and uh, not long not long to go mate until uh, the big summer slam weekend and the, uh, the big uh, well the big Jeff Jarrett weekend as well so plenty oh my audio to look forward to maybe we'll have to uh, find some uh so maybe we could do like a jeff jarrett deep dive or something like that on that weekend to properly uh celebrate jeff we've been threatening it for such such a long time you know oh maybe we have mate with, uh, I've, I've got i've got that i have i've got that spreadsheet mate i've i was to the point where i've, I've got that 10 rematch of him and sws mate so i bought it on ivp videos for god's sake <laughs> i was like straight away i was like yeah I love that Jeff Jarrett box set of early Jeff in Japan. <laughs> no one else. Um, and, and for that episode, I'm going to get WH on. He's going to go, why am I watching four Jeff Jarrett matches? Like, because you can, mate. Because you can. Forcing the... Uh, Which one's... To watch things, he oh yeah, is, uh, is a great uh, is a great technique that John and Way have leaned into, and I think we could uh, we could do two over here. You know, oh, tell him on always. the live stream that we're stealing him, we're stealing Karen. You know, we're moving in on it. I know. As we go. No, we're not. We're we're friendly on that. We've 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 always been post curious. We've I've, I've said that many a time. Look, I want to keep wearing my hat, even though I don't do BWE anymore. So of course, and yeah. Oh yeah. On that note, yeah, you can uh, if you haven't uh, heard any of it. The uh, the twenty four hour stream will be available in, in bits and pieces over on yes. the, uh, the BWE feed on post wrestling. As uh, JP said at the top, the uh, the big transfer window is already uploaded there. But yeah. Other than mm-hmm. that, that's it for the plugs. That's it for us for another show. We'll be back with a weekend show for patrons at the end of the week and another spotlight next week for the rest of you. Cheers for tuning in. Bye. Bye.